Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Double One Radio Games Club. I am your host, Ryan, and today I'm joined by my esteemed co-hosts, Brett. Hello. And Wyatt. I, I have a lot of that steam. <laughs> Man, much steam. <laughs> many, many good wishes, I guess. <laughs> All right, so today's episode, we're talking, if you couldn't tell from the title, we're talking about Ghost of Tsushima. We, we've all played the game. This is your, your moment to leave if you haven't and care about spoilers, because we will be spoiling literally everything. Yeah. Uh, spoilers are completely on the table. We will talk about every single bit of spoilers in the game. That is the difference between this podcast and uh, our normal Gamescast, is the game ca- Gamescast is spoiler-free. From everything, this podcast completely spoilers about whatever we're talking about. That said, we will not spoiler any other games, just Ghost of Tsushima. Alright, we're ready to get started. We don't do the games and the shoutouts on this one, because it's a little more laid back. This is just, this is the fun podcast. You know, we I'm sit leaning back, more, back more in my chair to reflect that. We sit back, we wow. just talk about games that we either enjoy maximum, or hate, you know? I got a maximum lean. Maximum lean back. Oh yeah. Alright. So background for people, in case you're, you've listened this far and don't know what Ghost of Tsushima is, it is Sucker Punches, and they are the infamous series devs. It is their newest title set in the Isle of Tsushima, which is a Japanese island. It's about the invasion of the Mongols. And, and for anyone who is confused, it is not a prequel to Infamous. <laughs> that is a good thing to point out. I know it is very confusing, <laughs> especially considering... Yes. Or Sly Cooper, you know, they also did Sly Cooper. Right. And you can find items that are references to both of those games in the mm. game. Yep. But it is not a prequel to either. It'd be funny if it was. Or a but... sequel. You know, we can't rule it out. Technically, we can't rule it out. <laughs> there might be a massive Sucker Punch universe that we don't know about. The Sucker Punch cinematic universe. Yeah, exactly. SCU! Yep. <laughs> well, wouldn't it be SPCU? It's I punch. guess. Yeah, that sounds a lot worse, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we have a game to talk about. <laughs> Other bit of background: you play as Gene. I don't think we've mentioned his name yet. He is a <laughs> a, a samurai man. Sakai Jin. Yep. There you go. Yeah, that. <laughs> um. Good descriptor for it. I have a question. Uh, yep. do people play in the. Uh... I guess it's the three of us here. Did people play in Japanese or in English? I played in English. I am planning to play in Japanese as well. So I I played in English because I felt like I needed my attention at the gameplay and I didn't want to have to keep looking down at the subtitles constantly. Yeah, that's, that's my Japanese big thing. Because I'm a madman. Yeah, in most scenarios, I would do Japanese. Although I think for this one, I was specifically told that some of the Japanese lip syncing is really off. It's I all of it is because it's all lip synced for yeah. English, and they didn't. But I some guess, of the like, some of the lip sync in the English is also off. Is the thing? Oh, I didn't so know that. It, it I I don't know if it was people played it in Japanese and that was just some of the lip sync was off in general for both. Um, I do know it was lip matched to English, so mm-hmm. there clearly will be some issues, but. Yeah, the English did have some moments of awkward lip sync. It was pretty clear that it wasn't uh, like every scene was not mocapped. Which you know, it's it's an American studio with a primarily American audience or English speaking audience. So I'm not, you know, I don't think that's too much of a 
Except when the game sells out in all stores in Japan. Yeah, this is this game sold. Oh, I'm not saying I'm not saying it didn't sell well in Japan, but you have to you have to. I know. Yeah, the the planned audience was an American one. Yeah, Yeah. and Um, their existing audience is primarily English speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for my background, I don't know. I, Japanese is, is a go-to for some games for me, specifically the Yakuza franchise. Yeah, stuff like that makes sense. Uh, but but for, for this, I was like, I kind of want to be able to focus as much as possible, so we'll go with English. Yeah, it's... it's I kind of feel, you know, if there's a dub... I know, like, you know, dub's bad but, or whatever, but for me, it's like, I want a dub so I can pay attention to the visuals as well, and I'm not it's, reading yeah. subtitles the whole time. I don't know. That's that's just me. I know some people can do both, yeah. but I'm I'm not the fastest reader in the world, so if there's a dub available, I'm usually going to take it. Oh, so I did try the uh, the subs out just to see if they were good, and they were very good. The dub is also very good. So yeah, uh, the voice actors really do pull the weight in both of them, from what I saw. Although I saw much less of the Japanese than the English. They do in the Japanese. I can say that. Yeah, great. Okay. So I think first we'll get a few things out of the way, just like we did with The Last of Us. There's a few things we can talk about, but probably won't take as long as the rest of the stuff. So for Last of Us, we talked about gameplay first. For this, I think we're going to talk about gameplay pretty far along, because gameplay is pretty big for mm-hmm. an action game. Yeah. Uh, there, but there's some other things. There's stuff like the music. So I think Beautiful. music would be a great oh. way to kick off this discussion, because I have nothing negative to say. Beautiful, yeah. yeah. No, no complaints. <laughs> what you have with a lot of games, especially open world games, is very like throwaway score a lot of the times. And there's a lot of exceptions to that, obviously. But I feel like with the majority of especially open world games, you have music that tends to look kind of like it, there's nothing bad about it. There's just nothing special about it, and it just kind of disappears with the rest yeah. of the game, and it doesn't stand it's out. It's almost more way. more of like an ambient tune yeah. than it is a soundtrack. Yeah, it's it, it's it's interesting because I I feel like with a lot of game soundtracks, if you listen to the song by itself individually, like oh wow, this sounds really good, and then when you're playing, I feel like it's not good enough for it to stand out while you're focusing on the gameplay a lot of the time. So I feel like a really good soundtrack is when you notice it while you're playing at the same yeah. time. Something that makes you stop and think, wow, this this song is very yeah. good. Yeah, and I, that definitely happened with me with Ghost of Tsushima on a, a few specific tracks, but none of the music was bad. It's just they definitely yeah. do have some songs that are just so good. Yeah, exactly. Like the uh, the opening it, theme is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Some of the it's, combat themes are great. So it's specifically, I, I feel like what it does really, really well above almost all else is it is it does a really good job of like building tension. So especially yeah. like the showdown mm-hmm. scenes when you're like one on one with someone and it's got that little like opening cutscene that that song that plays. It just does such Absolutely. a good job of like. Of just you know cranking up the tension before you start fighting. It's it's like the Kurosawa inspiration. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sparingly used as well in in a lot of areas. I I feel like there's like a couple spots where like there's no music, but that's perfect. This is also one of the uh, the first large open world games where I've been comfortable just like sitting with the game and like no other audio going on. Normally, I'll listen to like other music or a podcast or something while I'm playing. Especially like open world games, but this one I found most of the time I was just content to sit there yeah. with the normal audio and just be perfectly happy just walking around the world. Yeah, because even like without, because usually when you're just walking around, unless like some story thing is happening or there are like Mongols nearby, like no music is playing and it's just like 
Or if there is and, just like a, a single and, lone flute or something going in the yeah, background, like, it's great. Just like like the birds and the wind and like the trees and everything. It's like it all sounds like there's so much there. It for me, it was like hard to listen to anything else because like I don't want to interrupt yeah. this. Like, this is what yeah. the game is supposed to feel like. It's so good. Absolutely. And I I think some specific standouts for me were the haikus. I think the haikus yes. had a wonderful musical theme oh to all of God. them, especially the finale one, which we'll talk about later. Uh-huh. But yeah, the themes for those uh-huh. are great. Wyatt already brought up the duels, which were excellent. Just great all around. Um, very standout. I would I would not be surprised if this game is up for some soundtrack awards. It better. I would not complain. I would not complain at all. We've got some other good soundtracks this year too. Uh, Final Fantasy VII had some really good stuff. Yeah. Doom Eternal. Last of Us Part Two. Of course. Some good songs too, but not not yes, nearly as standout as I think Tsushima's are, are for the mm-hmm. most of it. So yeah, that, that's the music talk, because it's really, really good. There's pretty much nothing negative to say, I think. <laughs> if you don't like the Eastern style of music, it might not be for you, but that's like the only scenario I think I could see someone just not liking it's, it. Yeah. Because it is just wonderfully crafted. All right. So moving on, I think some good stuff to talk about would be all the side things first, and then we'll move on to the story and the gameplay because those kind of go hand in hand for a lot of it. So we've got some side activities in Ghost of Tsushima. The best things I think I can can compare these to are honestly like Yakuza franchise stuff of having these little like weird mini games that you do. Although here they're a lot more understated and uh, refined, I would say. Yeah. They're all very, they're simplistic, but they're easy and they're very fun. Uh, at least most of them. And one one nice touch as well is anytime because you know ninety percent of the time whatever side stuff you're doing there's a, a point marked on the map right yeah one one thing I really one small detail I absolutely loved is each spot you go to is a fast travel spot so you're not you're yeah. not restricted to like oh I'm going to go to this one fast travel spot in this area and one that covers this entire area there's a ton of fast travel spots just littered around the map so it makes it a lot easier to get to where you're going a lot quicker yeah. Uh, it is generally pretty easy to get around. I did have a few gripes with that in the third area. Uh, the last act, I had a few spots where, like, there wasn't a fast travel by the fort you have to go to at one point. So I had to, like, mm-hmm. redo that entire trek at one point to go talk to, uh... I think Adachi was over there, and I had to go talk to her again. And it was a, a whole trek to get there. Uh, but aside from that, there were there were always points close by and even then i found myself not using them all the time because it is just such a a beautiful world to go around yeah that a lot of the time especially in the first half of the game when i was still new to most of it i was basically just taking my horse everywhere i also want to ask what did everyone name their horse (laughs) um the 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 first horse or the second yeah the first horse of course the first horse um what was what was the name for sky uh sora sora that's what i named mine sora i went with (laughs) yeah i specifically did not choose sora because of i could not think of anything but kingdom hearts exactly (laughs) see that uh, yeah i wasn't even i i like i realized that was the guy's name just now like i didn't even think about it when <laughs> no I was kingdom playing. hearts just traumatized me so <laughs> i've never i've never touched kingdom hearts before so you know they're fun but they are that. traumatizing uh, <laughs> i i went with nobu for mine. <laughs> yeah i went oh with white God. horse and nobu that was my pair yeah i, I was uh, a good fit 
I, I also uh, I also stand Nobu, and I picked because uh, this is a. Uh, on, on one of the, I think it was the first podcast that I was on. Uh, my mom was the one who was like, I want to watch you play this, buy it. And I was like, okay. So she was sitting next to me and I was just like, what color do you want? And she picked the, the smoky gray one. So that's oh, what the I dapple. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The dapple was my second horse. And then I went with, went for Kaze because, of course, I had to go for the new name. I don't remember. I, I, I finished playing this game a while ago and I have the memory of a goldfish. So I don't, <laughs> I don't remember the second horse's name. The second horse is a lot less impactful. Because you spend yeah. so much of the game with the first, and, and the first horse you have goes out in a true blaze of glory moment. Oh, that got me. So it it, oh, it was one of the me. most emotionally impactful. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was traumatizing. Like, it, it's weird because, and I feel like we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about this more like later. Um, I feel like it could even have like its own segment or something, but like. Just because this game came out pretty recently after The Last of Us Two, it was just like I was had it in the back of my head, and I was like, "Man, those Last of Us Two devs really just like bragged about how all those dogs had names and how it would yeah. make you feel so sad." And then Ghost of Tsushima said nothing, and then this happened, and I was sad. Especially because <laughs> at the start, it literally goes, "This horse will be with you for your entire journey. This is a permanent exactly. choice. Are you sure?" And then I was well, like, stunned. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Killed them. And also, and also, they uh, they did it in the correct order. Yeah. yeah. Unlike Last of Us Two. <laughs> well, again, no spoilers for Last of Us Part Two, but this is true. Th- it is a few things that I think it, it, this is doing different things, but it did at least to me hit a lot harder because it's not. It's also not like every horse you see gets killed. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Most of them don't. Yeah. Most. Well, of you're them also don't. spending much more time with this horse than any yeah. other dog. Exactly. He's because. So. We made the point of not like at the beginning wanting to fast travel too much because it's just fun to ride around and exactly. like he's the thing you ride around and, on. And Gene will constantly talk to your horse. He'll say like, "Yeah, let's go, Nobu," or or something along those lines. He'll have little replies. The end yeah. mission scenes are him like resting against his horse. Yeah, betting on. So there's so so when the horse dies later on, there is really much a lot of impact to it. Uh, but we have gotten very far off of the topic of what we were originally going to talk about, <laughs> which was the the mini games. Essentially, mm-hmm. we got the bamboo strikes. These are a simple like button press combination. You know, they give you a little bit of a resolve if you finish them. They're, they're fun. Yeah, they're right. they're they're a distraction. I mean, those are yeah. I think they're the least impactful out of all of them, just because they're super quick. Yeah, you you do they're one and then you're done with it, and there's no greater are... meaning to it. Mm-hmm. I remember one or two combination of buttons in, in my head that I was like, oh, screw you. Like, there's no way. Yeah, it's the ones that didn't have any logic to them were the ones that got me. Yeah. Where, like, it didn't when you repeat. get them, though, they're satisfying as hell. They are. Like those the... ones where you get them on your first try, it's like, yes, dude, I am a master sandwich. Yeah, I, got, <laughs> I think I got like three on my first try, and I yes. went for completion, so I, I think I did almost all of them. Yep, I did all of them. Uh, and yeah, a, a few of them I got on my first try. Most of them I did not. <laughs> Some took far <laughs> yeah. too long. Yeah, yeah they're, they're a cute little distraction, and they, they serve their purpose. Uh, I think the the next one we can talk about, we've got our Inari Shrines. Our little runaway challenge. I, I, w- I don't want to call them parkour challenges, because they're not really difficult. I would, more... I would say, I, look, I think the best way to describe it is those little side areas in uncharted that lead to like a, a secret like yeah. little uh, artifact that you can get and it's like a little side path to collect an artifact but they're a little bit longer that's the way i would describe it 
Yeah, and they're generally they're longer, but they're short. They're they are not long. Usually, these will take yeah. like about a minute. <laughs> and you most. do get a nice view. On you the get way. A, usually get a nice view. You get to sometimes pet the fox, this which is very very, important. very fun. Sometimes. Not sometimes. all the time. It's Basically, if there's enough room for you and the fox to also stand, you will usually be able to pet the yeah, fox. But there's about half room. of them don't have enough room, so yeah. not all the time. Because you guys uh, completed it, you you guys got to that side quest where all the foxes died, right? That made me that so was, angry. Yeah. Yep, yep. That made me furious. Was, I, was, I, was, I was on a, a mission that I was like, I was in the middle of a mission. I was like, all right, I, I got to do this. Like, I was feeling really pumped about it. And then I saw that and I was like, no. It can wait. It yeah, can this is wait. Way more it can wait. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I think that the next step up from Inari shrines is the actual shrines. Yeah. Which are much longer. These are more akin to I think like Assassin's Creed one and two towers. Would probably be my comparison with how they work. Sort of puzzle parkour essentially. They're not. They're not difficult because you can usually see a couple yeah. steps ahead where you're supposed yeah. to go. And and but... if you fall, you respawn pretty close usually. Yeah. Occasionally again, get... at the start of the shrine, but these are only a few minutes long at the most. And again, well you get designed. some. Yeah, you get some nice views along the way. Yeah, it is also the one moment where I think some of the little niggles about the parkour can come up. Of sometimes, yeah. especially the camera for these doesn't always work properly. It it only happened to me, I think, two or three times total, where I would I've jump for the, a ledge uh, and the camera would just like swing around to the other direction, and I would just cliff dive essentially. I've um, had the the grappling yeah. hook misfire uh, affair. That never happened times. to me. I, I think for me, the grappling hook yeah, was the most reliable. Oddly, we'll get we'll get to my personal experience. Yeah, Wyatt had an experience with this game. Uh, <laughs> Wyatt will have a very different opinion on this. And actually, game. good time to well, mention. Well, not super different, but. So I believe Brett and Wyatt, both of you played it on base PS4s, right? Yes. And I played on a PS4 Pro. Uh, originally, Wyatt and I were like, maybe it's the base PS4 and PS4 Pro difference, but Brett didn't have these problems. <laughs> no, I did not. There were like like a couple like minor glitchy moments of like things clipping into other things, or like it yeah. wouldn't let me on a not Nobu horse like once or something like at the end of the game, but there were the problems were nowhere nowhere near as comparable to to Wyatt's. And, yeah, and here's we'll get the thing: I have that. I have the receipts as well. I've I've sent both of these yeah. guys plenty yep. of uh, clips. We have and proof. Pictures. We'll we'll get into it. I, I think maybe we will. Later, this will but, be a, yeah. a lengthy discussion probably immediately after we talk about all the mini games. Yeah. So, yeah, shrines. You get a a charm at the end of them. That is sometimes usually major, I believe. The shrine ones are always yeah. major, actually. Yeah, I think so. And then minor, the other side quests will give you minor charms, and these give you little bonuses. Sometimes they are, they can be build defining. So I got a charm that was like whenever I stagger an enemy, it gives me a bunch of resolve. And then I also mm -hmm. got another charm that was like whenever I stagger an enemy, I can't be interrupted for six seconds. Mm -hmm. So it like lets me just continue slamming on them with no chance of them retaliating, which is really really cool. Usually, uh, I have a problem with with upgrades being very minor, like changes or stat upgrades. But because you have uh, different armor sets that massively change yeah. your playstyle, and then these kind of augment that, I'm I'm fine with it. I think these are very much meant to be the the side augments to your armor, and they're a lot of yep. a lot of the time personal preference. So there's one that's like the one I I like the least. I think is the one that's just get more resources 
because that's super boring and it's also mm-hmm. just kind of a necessity a lot of the time where you just want to put that on because so, it makes it super easy to do certain things so one of the first ones that i got was one that i as soon as i equipped it i never ever yeah replaced same it thing with something i else. went back and found that one and, and kept it uh, equipped the entire time what what was it it was like you have the, you have a the more parry uh, and dodge window is a lot larger yeah i believe which is huge and i basically never removed it once i got it It was like the first major it was like one of the first major uh charms that i got never got rid of it yeah it's hard to like tell how much of an effect it had for me because i'm I'm the kind of person that plays a lot of dark souls and is used to those timing things but i i put it on and played on lethal for a while and lethal is a lot tighter on the uh the timing Mm -hmm. so on that it kind of put it a little bit it was still a lot tighter than the base difficulties, but it, it felt better than I think the normal lethal. Um, and we, we will talk a little bit about the difficulties later on. While we're on the uh, the subject of charms, I think the biggest issue is that the, the charms uh, menu is a complete yes. mess. It just yeah. is one massive list. One and big scroll bar. They, they could have... And you and get this goes so for most charms. of the menus as well. You like, get a lot of repeats. You get so many charms at the end of the game. That like, why don't the repeats completely... just stack? I don't get yeah, why they don't exactly. just stack. Yeah. And, I mean, one simple fix is just they had different like types of charms. Just ha- just categorize them. So have yeah. them be on like, a separate window. I, it's, it's, it feels like such a small thing. And I think you know? part of the reason it's so noticeable in this is that so much of the rest of the game is very polished and yeah. extremely finished, aside from the stuff that Wyatt ran into. But uh, <laughs> this is the only like menu thing that's weird, is that some of the stuff just is... It's not incomprehensible, but by the end of the game, I had like a list of 400 hats. Yep. And yeah. it took me so long to find the one I want. For whenever I change I, I armor am, sets, I, I am surprised that there's no uh, there's no way to do like hot swap loadouts of like or it's, have different yeah. Yeah. sets. I, a, a lot I, of people are asking for that. Yeah, I was again. It's it's a small thing. I'm 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 given how like highly detailed and it, it this game is in so many different areas. I'm really surprised that something like that yeah. was overlooked. And I actually like I think the hot swapping gear thing isn't necessarily that small because of how often you have to do it. It seems like it should have been something that they maybe focused on a little bit more because, like, you have gear that is very specifically built for different things. You have gear that I found myself gear, switching gear, gear combat quite a gear. Bit. I tended to switch up. Um, I I tried to avoid switching in the same camp, just because I I don't particularly like doing that. It doesn't make sense to me in continuity wise, yeah. so I just don't do it. But I would switch according to the, how I was feeling about a, a, a situation. Like, do I want to go head on? Do I want to stealth and like try to get my ghost meter up? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of questions there, and having to do that, you have to go through. And if you want to match your aesthetic, you have to change your hat as well and your mask, and it's a very long process. You might have to change your charms, and you yeah. might be doing this multiple times, like in a 20-minute length of game, because of how quick a lot of the camps are. So mm-hmm. I feel like that that is something that definitely needs to be added. It is. And for- for, right. for me specifically, because I'm very anal about this kind of thing, I'll if I'm if I'm just traveling around, especially in a new area that I haven't uncovered, I'll I'll put on some kind of like headband, no mask, and then I'll have like the traveler's uh, shirt on, right? And then I get to a camp, and then I put on the uh, clan Sakai gear in order to do like the standoff thing, and then the standoff is over. I then switch over to samurai clan gear. I'm I'm so anal retentive about it. Yeah, why you're you're taking it very far. <laughs> Yeah. I know, but it's but look, 
I think it's even for people like me. I think it's still a problem that's worth pointing out because there well, are yeah, plenty I, of I people that agree. are like that, <laughs> especially with a game that has so much customization because you can change the colors Absolutely. of all your armor too. And getting gear is such a big thing. I think it's still an issue, even if you're not as anal retentive. Yeah, uh, all Which, good again, points. You know, having having gear sets would have been really really helpful. <laughs> Yeah, it just goes a lot of the menus are like weird lists that need to be cleaned up. I really hope they are by the time Legends comes out. Because I think if Legends has like gear and stuff, it really will need to be cleaned up. This yeah. feels like the thing they could add in in like a later. Absolutely. This isn't a core issue with the game at all. It's just the UI. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, if they're adding the an entire multiplayer mode, I'm pretty sure they can add tabs for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can like... do some UI stuff. <laughs> like, come on. So yeah, um, that is a good point to mention. There is a, a multiplayer mode coming to Tsushima in totally the fall free. at some point. Totally for, It's free. a free update. It's like mythical Japan-based. No, you go and fight through mythological fights. Looks really fun. Uh, but we're not going to talk any more about that because we don't have any information, essentially. Yeah. Um, okay, so we talked about shrines. I know Wyatt, again, had a lot of bugs with some of these. We'll get to that. For me, there was only one shrine that was particularly bad. It was the one in the marsh. It was like a marsh shrine at one point. And for me... Oh, the one with like a figure eight almost? Yeah, yeah. Where I straight up could not find the entrance for so long. Same. Same. And I don't necessarily think it's a problem with the shrine itself. I think it's because the map marker for it, when you get close to it, puts you at a bad position. Mm-hmm. It brings you around like the back of it, and you have to circle around it to find the entrance, which was very confusing. Uh, that was the only one I had an actual is- issue with. And again, it wasn't an issue with the shrine. It was just the like path to it. That Side note, uh, this was also an area where I couldn't get on my horse <laughs> for <laughs> a solid, you know, little while, so that was fun. <laughs> this is what we're talking about. Why will, every time we talk about something, Wyatt will come in and say what bug he had, and then we'll be like, well... I didn't have that. <laughs> I didn't it. have that, but it existed because we've seen pictures. <laughs> so. I have the receipts. <laughs> he has the receipts. So that is a fair warning. This, if you are on, I don't know if this is related to the PS4 model at all, because I believe Wyatt, you're on a launch PS4. Yep, day one. That might have PS4. something to do with it, but we but don't Brett know. Brett has a launch one. Too. It's yeah. But yeah, it could it could be that it could just be an issue that you might end up having. I don't know. Um, oh yeah, we should also say what difficulties we played on. So let's go down the line. Brett, what'd you play? Uh, I did normal. Normal. All right. I I think I'm the only tryhard in this group, so I did I so. hard and then lethal as soon as it came out, and Man. then lethal was a little easy, so I turned it back to hard. <laughs> I've heard, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I also I also did normal. Although because I look, I've said this several. I'm really bad at video games, so my I my brain was too. But why you're on a podcast about them? My my brain was too dumb and stupid to like wrap my head around the combat at first, so I actually started on easy. And then when I got the hang of it a little bit, I then bumped it up to normal because that's how much yeah. of a, of a, you know, uh, what's a good word? That's how much of a baby I am. There we go. <laughs> and a good note is the, so the difficulty does not just affect like numbers. It also does affect some AI stuff. So you do get mm-hmm. a little bit of a different experience. The harder you are. I remember Wyatt at one point came up to me and said the stealth AI was super easy. I was like, Wyatt. <laughs> That's a that's a side effect of being uneasy because this was at the start of the game. 
Okay, but it was also it was also easy on normal. I didn't notice any difference. Yeah, on hard and lethal, it's a lot more difficult, especially if you put on the. Uh, I also turned on the pro HUD, which removes your directional markers for when enemies start Whoa. to spot you. And you can't and you can't dismiss the AI for being dumb just because it's on a lower, like like noticeably dumb. Well, a lot of the time, it's it's noticeably dumb because there are people that don't want to deal with it. Um, you you aren't one of them, but there are there are people that do hate like stealth sections and they just want to get through them. Uh, which is why I do kind of wish it was a separate setting. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I tend to wish that a lot for video game difficulties. Hey, after that Last of Us 2 accessibility yeah. screen, it's, I felt More so games spoiled. need that. I felt so spoiled. Because, yeah, to me, it's like, the, for lethal, I want to take the enemy's damage on me and just not give myself the damage boost. Because you already deal a ton of damage at the end. Uh, but, again, we're getting very far off of what we were talking about. We have more mini games to talk about. More stuff. We have a uh, haikus. These were awesome. I yep. love them. I think love every time I had a haiku, it was one of the standout sections of the game. Yep, exactly. <laughs> They're just very well crafted, um, very pretty. And they really lean into using Sushima's visuals, and it's not just yep. like combining yeah. a bunch of words together. And the, they the have a phrase is... that. They Go have ahead, a phrase that matches with specifically what you're looking at. So if you're looking yeah, at a exactly. river, then it's going to have a phrase that matches with that, you know, the scenery of the river and stuff like that. So well done. Something I I really appreciated is that it isn't. It's about the visuals, but not necessarily about the graphics. It's more the yeah. visual style of the game. So there there'll be areas that just look beautiful. They may not technically be the best, but mm -hmm. just the way they've laid everything out and the lighting makes it look astounding. It's, and I it's think a, it really yeah. played to the strengths of the game. It, it's a, uh, I mean, Breath of the Wild is a weird example, but again, it's... I mean, it's not a weird example. Uh, I think a lot of people have drawn comparisons to Breath of the Wild's open world. But in, 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 in specifically in the sense that it's it's very much about aesthetic and not, yeah, you know, visual absolutely. fidelity yeah. or graphical fidelity. Which I think is a lot of people's favorite approach. Um, graphics tend to advertise better, mm -hmm. but visual style, I think, is what will end up leaving an impact and especially like down the line be something that continues to be recognized because people still you can still go plaque go back and play the gamecube version of wind waker and it still looks really good exactly <laughs> because of the yep. art style you can go back and play the the okami on ps2 and it looks just as good as it should because yeah. it's not trying yeah. to be realistic even they, something they like Team Fortress 2 has such an exaggerated exactly. art style yeah. that it, yeah. it, it yeah. made itself very timeless. And, and Tsushima is definitely far more realistic. And I think the parts of Tsushima that will age well are the environments. For sure. Um, the character models are noticeably not super amazing. They're not bad, certainly. But when you compare them with something like The Last of Us Part 2, they are certainly a step down. Mm. Um, and they are going for realistic with those, which I think does lead to... Those they're not going to hold up quite as well, uh, but that's not really a concern for now. <laughs> uh, all right, so haikus are also great. They're they're tied into the story in a lot of places. Yeah, which uh, we'll certainly nice be talking touch. about the final one. Uh, you also uh -huh. do them in a few side quests. You have uh, Ishikawa has you do one very early in the game, which is nice. There's tons of rewards for them. You get so these are the ones that I think the reason haikus stand out so much is they don't really reward you with any benefits for your character you just get a cosmetic 90 percent of the time which i think is is it shows how strong they are as a minigame that that is enough motivation to do them 
And often, like, the, had, the headband had nothing to do with my desire to do them. It was just I wanted to do them because they're great. Um, and yeah. the, 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 another special thing with all the side content in the game is that they weren't super long. You know, they were all, like, fairly uh, sh uh, streamlined and short. And it never felt like I wasted my time doing one Absolutely. because you always got some kind of reward at the end. And even if the yeah. reward wasn't, like, even if it was a charm that I was never going to use, it was so quick. Like, it was so well-paced that I never felt like I wasted my time. Like, I can't tell you how many stupid side quests that I would that I did in Assassin's Creed Odyssey just to get my number a little bit higher. And I just could have completely yeah, done without it. That. It felt like a complete waste of time. And, like, it was refreshing like, to not have levels shoved in our faces oh, <laughs> in, like, an open-world game <laughs> yeah. again. It Honestly, because I, I played a bunch of Odyssey leading up to this, and I think there's they're really interesting games to compare. Yeah. Because this is so reserved. They're, they're different goes. philosophies on an, on open world design, which is very it's, interesting to see. And I don't even I don't even hate Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I love a lot of Odyssey, but this game knows when to streamline things, when to slow down. It knows when to, uh, you know, it knows what parts to make accessible and what parts. It, I don't know. It just feels very well balanced in that. Yeah, well balanced is a good way of putting it. And uh, our last mini game, unless I'm missing something glaring is a uh, hot springs which isn't really a mini game yeah. these are just you get a little health increase you you sit down you have a sit down in a hot spring and you reflect you on learn, something you might learn a little bit about Jin or, or some of the other characters yeah. and you get choices of things to to reflect on and yeah it's just a nice little moment to sit down and hear like a couple lines of dialogue from Jin about what's going on yeah it, it makes you relate a lot more to his character because like if if he if he said these things like in the middle of journeys or whatever, it would just kind of be weird. But the yeah. fact that you like get a little like, okay, I get to sit down with the main character and literally just hear him think about like two choices of what just happened. I, I think a big part for me is is what you just said. Hearing him think, it's not him yeah. talking. You are just hearing him have a think about exactly. whatever he's doing. They're not awkwardly trying to shove in this information in dialogue. Yeah. That, that's it, a, a trap a, a lot spot. of game developers fall yeah. into is they try to make everything dialogue and not take advantage of the fact that you can do more than just dialogue. So long as you can show that it is this character thinking something, you can still do that. They they knew what information was like, okay, it's not 100% necessary that you know this, but it, it might you know add to a character, or yeah. add to the world in some way, and they put it in its own yeah. uh, side activity, which was really smart. Uh, a lot of the haikus are like that too, where they they give you just a little bit of information about what Gene is like. They also let you characterize your version of Gene, yeah, which is something I really appreciated. Is Gene mm -hmm. the story is the same up until the end, regardless, and the only choice that makes a a significant impact on your story is the final choice. But all the yeah. little choices throughout it let you give Gene your own kind of twist and and apply that that ideal of what you want him to be. Like, is he a more stoic samurai? Is he a little bit jokier? Like, what is your view on him? And you can really do that through the dialogue, which is great. Yeah, a lot of people will um, criticize a game like this where it has multiple dialogue options, but it doesn't really lead anywhere. And I, for, you know, it, it doesn't have to in every game, I think. Even yeah. if it's just there just to let you kind of role play a little bit, even if it doesn't lead anywhere, it just lets you make and your... I mean, when we say it doesn't lead anywhere, we mean, like, choice wise it doesn't lead to any differences in the story yeah. but you do get different information because conversations yeah. will be different entirely depending on what you pick 
So you, you, you learn details and you miss details. And it's not like you can go back and do that. It's The game has this sense of your journey is your journey and it's not the same as what other people will be having even though the story will be the same. You're having yeah. your own little elements. Like the haikus are all different and the game remembers them with the headbands that you get. Yeah, they're all unique. Which is just a really cool thing where, where your experience with this, even though the story will be the same, will likely be very different. Uh, the same thing goes with the horses where you name them, you could choose a different horse and that horse is your horse. Mm -hmm. I do want to come up on, I, I do want to bring up this topic again of like choices. Well, when we get to the ending, I want to talk. About yeah, it we'll talk about choice I, a lot at the end, I think. Uh, okay, so we've talked a lot about all the side stuff. We're running on a little over 30 minutes right now, which is, I, I think we're doing good. Which yeah. means we can go into the meat of the gameplay. We got some some meaty gameplay here. Meaty <laughs> gameplay. We're gonna do. I think the thing we need to get out of the way first. There is no lock on. The camera no. kind of does its own thing. Uh, um, the camera. I, I think Brett really... and I had the fewest issues with it. Although we still did have issues. I yeah. Although I, I think I had even fewer than. Than you did though because i yeah. really I, I i i it's to the point where for me it's not even like a complaint like i'm fine with the camera but i know i'm like the, the outlier in that yeah yeah for um, me i'm fine with the perspective and the not having a lock on but there are a few instances where the camera would just like get stuck on something or like get stuck behind things at times when it was really not good mm. here, um, here's the yeah. problem if you're if you're not going to have a lock on for your camera then you have to be able to do your attacks and control the camera at the same time, which this game doesn't allow you to do. So yeah, that was my biggest like, issue. So again, example, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey that does have a lock on, but you can completely play that game without a lock on because it allows you to move the camera and do your attacks at the same time. Okay. And, so, and to set up this baseline, what we mean when we talk about that is it's the control scheme that dark Souls kind of popularized where it is sticks to move and look bumpers and triggers to do attacks. So you, you can attack and move without any need to take your finger off either stick. That's yeah. Assassin's Creed Creed's setup. Whereas with it's a setup for Sushima, a lot of games now. For a lot of games, right. But but specifically for this comparison, Assassin's Creed. Yeah. And then for Tsushima, it's uh tri uh square for your light attack, triangle for your heavy attack. And what that means is you have to decide whether to turn the camera or attack. And for me, that was very frustrating because there were many moments where I would get attacked from outside of my uh, cone of vision or it just felt like every chance an enemy had, like every opportunity they had to leave the camera, they did. And it made it very frustrating and it made it very hard for me to be aware of what was going on at all times. Yeah. Uh, it, I think some people, will certainly, some people will certainly say it's like a, it, it's a, a personal choice. I think a lot of the time it does get in the way because of that. Mm. Yeah. Um. And it is it is interesting that it's not in the game because they've shown that a lock on that they can do a lock on quite well because if you're doing a one on one battle it is locked on to whoever yeah. you're fighting. That is always yeah. a situation though where there's only one enemy, which could be the big. Uh, which there difference. it's like way less important. Like it's it's a nice touch because it helps, but you know it's it's less needed there <laughs> than it is with a giant group of people. I think a lot of the time it's the camera tends to prioritize cinematic angles rather than necessarily usability. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I I did not have issues with the camera past the first third, I think. 
where after that I kind of got used to it and it wasn't a huge issue. There were some bugs and like it getting stuck on things that happened towards the end, which kind of hurt the experience a little bit, but nowhere near as much as Wyatt had. And and again, Wyatt has had and like shown us all these issues. Some of them are ridiculous. They're really funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are they funny? Oh, oh, I'm yeah. so happy for and you. It, so, so one specific enemy I think the camera really does hurt is the dogs. So the Mongols oh, have dogs. God. And they, yep. the way they attack is they run and jump at you. But if they're running at you from where you have the camera pointed, when they jump, they will inevitably jump behind you and pass to the camera. They then usually will do a second jump, but this time you can't see where they're coming from, so you can't see the indicator for when you're supposed to dodge. Which makes them kind of... They're not hard to deal with, they're just annoying, because you have to like reorient the camera constantly when you're fighting them. Uh, I think they they were like the biggest frustration for me with that is the dogs constantly did that. And there was also the uh, shield enemies with the flaming swords would do the same thing where they'd like charge and then slash like three times but go behind you if you dodge. Mm-hmm. And then you gotta like slap the stick and rearrange it. It, it, it. That's like the few scenarios where it really did bother me. And I ran into a lot of issues of, oh, I'm going to hold triangle, or, oh, I'm going to do the, uh, what's it called, the uh, heavenly strike, which is like uh, triangle, triangle and circle. circle, right? It's so many Batman times, someone would, be, someone would be in range, and he would either just go completely in a different direction and not hit anyone, or he would do the attack and then stop right before getting to someone, yeah. even though they were clearly in range, which is so frustrating, especially when you have a limited amount of... of um, resolve to use and so it's like okay like hail mary i'm gonna do one last one last attack on this guy and i'll be fine because i'll be out of resolve you waste your resolve and then you're screwed you have to do it over again it's so frustrating yep (laughs) all right so camera issues aside because we do need to start talking about the actual gameplay gameplay there's some some the gameplay system is pretty standard i would say it's not anything you haven't seen before for the most part uh, the stances might be a little bit unique, but most of it is, is pretty standard, like square to attack, triangle's your heavy attack, circle to dodge, um, X to left jump, bumper, you know, or left bumpers to L1. do abilities, then hold in a trigger and press a button to do something else. So, pretty standard affair. The <laughs> the stances only change your heavy attacks, they don't change your your quick attacks. And they tend to all do better against one enemy. Although at the end of the game, the water stance, like quick slashes, are maybe my favorite thing in the game, and I use them against everything. So I forget what they're actually called. I'm just gonna call them like spear stance or shield stance because again, my brain that's, can't. Yeah, can't yeah that, that's fine. But by far the most satisfying uh, move for me was shield stance when you when you held the triangle I, yeah, and then you just tapped it a bunch of times. Oh, it is so satisfying. When you upgrade it, you can do five strikes in a row, and it's much faster than even your, like, light attacks. And they they increase damage with every one with that one, right? Yeah, when you upgrade them. Yeah. Uh, and especially when you get the armor set that increases your stagger damage, this fact that it's not doing extra stagger to other enemy types kind of offsets it. So you can then use it against, like, I used it a lot in duels, and would use it to just break the stamina of whoever I was fighting. And it was really fun, because it's a super cool ability. Uh, I do wish they maybe had a little visual flair to the light attacks based on whatever stance you were in. Mm-hmm. Which Because in all other departments... They, they don't. But... I, I have no. checked, they don't. 
which oh. which is a shame because in all other departments they do a great job of showing of visually showing what stance yeah. you're in because you hold the sword in very yeah. different ways your heavy attacks are very different the only i think the, the major issue i had with a few of the stances idols is that some of them just look silly yes no <laughs> and they, I, they are not based off of some of them are just like not real fighting stances they're like a stance you would go to in the middle of a fight to like intimidate someone and then go back What's the one where stance? you're holding the sword just above your head? That's the shield head? stance, the one I was it's using so most. It's it looks it's so, so silly. <laughs> like like if you're just charging at a bunch of people with your sword over your head, it's oh it's hilarious. What did you say, Brett? Are you sure that's not based off a real one though? Because I feel no, like so all I've, of them I've are based off a real one. one. All of them are based off of a real one, but they're usually exaggerated. It's yeah. So, but they're exaggerated in the way you hold things. Like hold, he'll hold it further away from his body than is necessary. So you I have think like that might just, it just that might looks be the very case strange. Of like, like letting the player know. Like, yeah, it definitely is. But there are times when it did like I, I would just look at it and be like, "That's a little funny." It didn't bother me, but it was just very different. It, it uh, did ruin it, yeah. not completely, but it it did kind of put a damper on some moments where like I'm running at a bunch of guys. It's supposed to be this heroic moment, and I'm just kind of waddling over with the sword above my head, and it just it, it looked goofy when it was supposed to be more intimidating. Yes, not not like you know a big problem, but it was definitely because I I did I watched a few videos about the stances and how they they are and are not realistic. There's a, there's a lot of differences. All the stances tend to be based off of a real stance, but they're usually not based off of samurai stances. They're based off of like different sword fighting techniques. Like even the way he holds the sword in stone stance isn't necessarily the way you would would have held a katana. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is still it looks fine. So. There's no no real issues there. Yeah, it, it, I think the the general combat flow is usually pretty fun. I am curious how much you guys used ghost items in combat. Uh, I used kunai quite a bit in the late game. Uh, same with the black powder yeah. bomb. I yeah. I used kunai and pitch bombs a lot, but not really the rest. I didn't use the smoke that much. I yeah, which is. A, a, a damn shame because like seeing what people can do with, yeah. with that smoke is like super crazy i kind of wish i experimented times, more not, not nearly enough and i only ever yeah. used it to like run away <laughs> and i and i never used uh wind chimes slash firecrackers because again the ai for stealth just doesn't know how to handle you whatsoever <laughs> like, i don't you know can, the, you the can... firecrackers are super useful sometimes yeah same i never but i never felt the need w w with the exception of a few uh story missions where if you got caught it was an instant fail just to make just to make a hundred percent sure that i wasn't caught i would use them but outside of that i didn't really uh, you gotta it. use them to set up a triple kill chain assassination yeah. that's how you do it um they they absolutely are i think i think wind chimes are definitely necessary on hard because enemies will spot you far that easier um and on lethal especially lethal is it gets ridiculous with the stealth enemies it's nearly impossible to stealth through a camp on lethal because of how attentive they are. And while we're while we're on the topic of stealth, one of the most common bugs that I ran into was wanting to assassinate someone and then it turning into just a regular attack and then alerting everyone. Yeah, I had that happen once or twice. Um, <laughs> so not yeah, nearly man. as much as you did. <laughs> but yeah, that definitely is a bug that exists because I, I did run into that as well. Uh, especially with the chain assassinations. I had it happen way more often with pressing triangle than square. I just couldn't get chain assassinations to work, even if people were positioned properly. Just they just wouldn't. Well, you have to be pointing. Whenever you kill one guy, you have to move your stick in the direction of the other guy. Well, no, yeah. I know, but 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 when you 
like the, the button prompts it gives you before you attack someone is triangle for chain attack, right? Yeah. Like the first one you do, I've never got, there were many times where I never got that option. Well, they, they need to be very close together. Efficient. That's why firecrackers were useful. I know, that's what I'm saying. I'm in the right spot. Everything is, you know, positioned and it just wouldn't happen. The, the, see, this is one of the bugs where I'm just like, I don't... <laughs> it's I'm such telling a, a, you. It's so bizarre I, I, that this is all happening to what? <laughs> I, I don't know how to help you, but it did not happen to me. <laughs> So it's it, yeah, it's a situation where like we can't help him because we don't know we haven't had the bug, <laughs> so we don't know a solution. Um, yeah, so so that is definitely there are <laughs> the game can be buggy sometimes if you're like Wyatt. <laughs> sometimes you know if you are Wyatt. And, it, and the important thing to notice here is I had the opposite experience with Last of Us Part Two, where I got all the weird stuff and Wyatt had a perfect playthrough. <laughs> it's so like it does so happen. Imagine imagine. You know, Brett and uh, Ryan playing the console version of Batman Arkham Knight, and then I'm playing the PC version at launch. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good comparison. Maybe not that. Maybe extreme not that bad. That game was because that game just didn't run. But but it's something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it definitely was a weird experience for you. Um, yeah. I I do think so. For me out of all the difficulties hard was tuned extremely well because you kind of are required at certain points to make use of ghost items which i think i tried normal for a bit and the biggest issue i had is that i could just get through the entire game using just the sword which and you you can do that on hard and especially on lethal uh if you're good it's just a lot more difficult than it is on normal um because some of the enemies will will take a lot of hits and yeah the, they on on hard and lethal they'll use their techniques a lot more. So like on the flaming enemies, you can't block them. You have to like either heavy attack them out of it or dodge. Uh, but yeah, the, I think the combat in general works really well. It's not absolutely amazing, so it's when not it's what I would call groundbreaking, but it is certainly doing what it needs to do. Yeah, it was when very it's working, satisfying. it's great. It, it's, it's very satisfying when it works. Like There are a few moments yeah. in Ghost of Tsushima that I will remember for a long time just oh, in yeah. combat because the, of how, how good they feel. The Yarikawa fight specifically. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Driving them out yeah. of the, the village. Probably one of my probably my favorite moment in the entire game. The Yarikawa yeah. fight, uh, for me, it was all, all the stuff with Shimura was pretty important. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. A lot of the like weird... So there's... I don't know if you guys did the uh, the mission for the Mongol armor. Yes, you can do I started end. it. I didn't finish it. I really liked that one because there's a lot of huge and intricate camps you go to. Yeah, they're massive. They're, they're, a whole they're like by far the craziest building. things, and some of them will have like multi stage, multiple stages where you have to go take out yeah. like watches, and yeah, they're really really cool. And if you like fight one half of the camp, there's still half of the camp to go clear. And it's a what? side quest. Yeah, it's a side quest, yeah. which is a I why and I did talk about that. We kind of wish some of those camps were, were in the main quest specifically towards the end. Yeah. Because it felt like when, the con kind of ended anticlimactically. Well, 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 yeah, we'll get there. But one one little uh, touch that I absolutely loved was if you're in a if you're in a big base, like a big enemy base, and you're running around looking for the rest of the enemies, they give you an option after a while to just like taunt the rest. Yeah, of the Yeah, you can just challenge them yeah. to come fight you. Sometimes yeah. that button doesn't come quick enough, and you're kind of running around not knowing what you're supposed to do, and then it pops up randomly. I kind of wish it would come up sooner. Yeah, I think you have to be in an area that is legal for a standoff in the game code is is my assumption but it's not a standoff it's the, that's the weird part is that yeah it it's not a standoff uh to a standoff. but i wonder if there's like something with with that specific thing because that's what i noticed is i could always do it if i was in the area for a standoff 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I have nothing to back that up as if that's actually how it works. Uh, so yeah, the, the combat overall, definitely really good. Uh, I think of games that have released this year, it's definitely in the top for like action combat. <laughs> There's not really anything else I can think of that's really competing with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I definitely prefer it to like Assassin's Creed's combat. I think it's it's a little bit more active, and How, uh, it's harder. I don't know if I, I don't know. If, uh, I, I think it's for me. It's really just the lack of levels that does it. Like if Assassin's Creed or Odyssey just didn't have levels in it. <laughs> I never got. I never like. Even with levels, I never got frustrated with. With Assassin's Creed. Oh, I'm not talking about frustration. I'm just talking about how satisfying it is. Like, to me, I think the the combat here, there are some moments where the animations and everything just tie together so well. And, like, Gene does different finishers on enemies based on what attack you're doing yeah. when you kill them, which is just something that I think is great. How uh, how often did you guys uh, find yourselves uh, booting people off cliffs and into rivers? I wanted to do it a lot. I, I used that kick. <laughs> so many times i kind of I, I locked myself into water stance towards the end just because i was having so much fun with it like water stance when it's fully upgraded is ridiculous yeah especially mm-hmm. with the uh, the gosaku armor set where you just crush enemy stamina stamina like literally no enemy in the game could stand up to a full s- swath of those uh it, that was great so there is tons honestly, of like build variety honestly i i feel like the most useful uh before we before we leave the conversation, the most useful ghost weapon for me was the uh, hallucination dart. I, like I if never you're, used if you're it. Doing a, I used it oh twice, my God. I think. If you're using a stealth run and you hallucinate like one or two people at just the right moment, you can take out, at least on normal, they can, they will, you can take out like three or four enemies and you didn't even have to do anything. They just take themselves yeah. out. It's really, really... It is very strong. I think the weird thing to me is like I tended to avoid the the ranged stuff when I could I did use it when I had to or when I wanted to like start a fight with an explosive arrow or something um, I would do that but I felt so like that, that the, the melee the bow, combat yeah, yeah. I, I used it only when I needed to take out or if I was in like a mission that was pure stealth and I needed to take out like lookouts or something or if I needed to get an enemy that was running away I would use it but generally I ha- I was having so much fun with the melee that I was just preferring to do that just because all the melee combat is is so much fun and there's so much cool stuff you can do. Like I, I don't know if you guys use the uh the flammable oil from the uh side quest oh, a lot. Yeah. But that oil oh, yeah. is incredible. You enemies can't block you, so you just go crazy yeah. for like ten seconds. It's so satisfying. I, I definitely started most encounters in stealth, but then because again I felt like the AI just wasn't was completely incompetent yeah. i got really bored and then just made myself known because i was like this is getting boring yeah <laughs> I, I think that really is definitely a difficulty thing although i wish i again i wish there was an option for like stealth difficulty so you could change it I, uh, because I, on, on like I, hard and lethal it felt really good uh especially like walking around with the ghost armor and trying to chain assassinations as much as possible was oh, really, I've, really I've assassinated multiple people not even in a chain assassination just regular individual assassinations in like someone's view like i've done it yeah like three people in one person's view they're like oh whatever i mean one thing that i did notice with the stealth ai is the enemies don't really react to bodies super well like they, oh, yeah. they, they do the thing that every other stealth game does <laughs> like it's not that unique of an issue it's just it is noticeable when you have you just like essentially go wait for enemies to get off of alert 
Well, again, like guys. I would say that Assassin's Creed Odyssey dealt with this a lot better because they would call multiple people over and then they would kind of search the camp and stuff like that. And it took a while. They'll do the same thing in Tsushima. Yeah, just, they will. It, it, they for me, they're just like, oh, he's dead. Whatever. Wyatt, I'm playing on normal on a launch PS4 like you. It's just my name is not Wyatt. <laughs> so these things didn't happen to me. Or I guess in this case, they did. Well, that's the other thing. I, I'm not the only one. I've I've heard a lot of other people have a similar thing where they're just like, if they see a dead body, they just don't care. Like, they just move on. Yeah, I think it might be a little bit more finicky in this compared to, like, Assassin's Creed. Because I did notice a few times that they, there was just very little reaction to it. Especially on the stealth-only missions. I think I think the big problem with, with with stealth, and I think one thing that could have fixed it, and obviously like, you know, you you can't. There's only so much you can do before you have to release the game. But one of the best uh, one of the best ways that uh, Batman the Batman Arkham games handled stealth is they added so many little uh, things to make it more difficult. So you, they wouldn't be able to do the same thing because it's a different time period, obviously. But Batman did things like, oh, everyone's heartbeat is being monitored. So if someone, even if you did it in complete silence, you took someone out, they would know that someone's down. Or they would like use the X-ray to like search the uh, gargoyles and stuff like that. Like They just yeah. added a lot of extra stuff to make uh, your typical like stealth strategy more difficult. And that never changed in Tsushima. Like, my, my strategy for stealth never changed because yeah. of the enemy. And I also think you can definitely say Tsushima doesn't innovate on stealth pretty much at all. Like there's nothing Tsushima I think does particularly different than other games that have done stealth before, yeah. uh, which is a little bit disappointing considering that's a big conceit of the game is like a samurai going stealth. Yeah, it's a huge part of the story, which is uh, yeah, which is yeah. why it's kind of disappointing. All right, but. any last words on on gameplay and stealth? Um, uh, I had moments. <laughs> maybe this is another me moment, but I had a lot of moments where uh, like the the pathfinding was just completely like borked and enemies would just be walking into walls. That did happen to me once or twice, but it, it did not nearly as much as it has happened to you. Like one I mean, or two times a, I had an enemy do that. I mean, it was a bad, like it set a bad precedent. Like I was, when I first started playing the game, the moment where you wash up on the shore and you're introduced to the open world for the first time, the first thing I saw was a Fox and it was just getting caught in like a cliff which was literally the first animal I saw when I washed up on shore was an animal just walking into a wall. It, <sighs> well, I definitely haven't had that happen to, uh, to a fox before because they're on like, like... Or it wasn't a fox, it was like a deer. It was some animal. Oh, yeah. Well, well a deer, that makes more sense. Yeah. But it was the first animal that I saw. Like literally the first thing I saw when I... You know, when For me, it was always the birds. Wire. The birds always got caught on things and like would often fly mm -hmm. into houses and just get stuck yeah. on the house geometry. Uh, the yellow bird did that to me yeah. pretty often. But that, that was the only time I really noticed that. It didn't yeah. happen to me with enemies, aside from, uh, I think, like, one time. We mentioned it briefly, but uh, climbing felt janky, and it, I never felt, like, confident when I was climbing. I was, I was always prepared... <laughs> I was always prepared for for Jin to just not reach for something or throw his grappling hook. For and me, it, just, it was hard was to no predict. There was no good flow to it either. I thought I thought the flow for, flow of it was great. Um, yeah, I, I hard I disagree, disagree with you Wyatt, on that one. I, I think that that is going to be a personal opinion thing, more than anything, because I this to me played a lot like Assassin's Creed one and two style climbing, where it's a little bit more puzzly. It's not nearly as freeform as it is in a lot of other games, and that works fine for Tsushima. But there were, like, for me specifically, the times that I had issues with it were when I had to judge, like, where to jump. Because sometimes Jin would just grab something different. 
Mm-hmm. It was that it's the classic Assassin's Creed one issue of he'll like try to break his fall on something that is not what I wanted him to do. Uh, and there was like once or twice where I tried to jump on one of the like tight ropes and just fall through it. <laughs> and that was pretty funny when it happened. Um, luckily it was never like a game breaking bug or anything, but that did happen I, a few times. I, I showed you guys the video of, I, I got off of a, uh, of a grappling hook and he landed between two barrels and he just kept falling. And then he, they just reset me at the beginning of that section again. Had yeah, that, that never happened. happened. I mean, nothing like anything, anywhere near that. Ah! <laughs> All right, so moving on, we can talk about... We're going to quickly go over the side quests stuff or any notable side quests. For me, obviously, I think all the Mythic Tales are must-play quests. Oh, yeah. Because yep. they, they were, I think, the highlight of the game for me, was especially the Tadayori quest at the very start was my first duel in the game, and there's a duel where you're fighting like a, an opponent who isn't even a, an opponent, really. You're just fighting another samurai in a field of like purple flowers with everything. Every time you step, they're you're kicking up flowers into the air. Yeah, and it is a. It was still like something that I keep remembering is that one fight because how how good it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the mythic tales have moments like that. Yeah, my personal my personal favorite side quest was um, anything with Lady Masako was like my personal favorite. I wouldn't she consider those side so quests awesome. even. I, th- I think the stuff with the side characters is like mandatory main story stuff that the game just doesn't tell you is mandatory. <laughs> it's better. It's better than the main story, which we'll get to. But it's all. I think most of them for me were better yeah. than the main story. Definitely. I like the, the weird. This is this kind of goes for like all the the side quests. Is that like most of them didn't f- like because the the attitude towards side quests is like okay fetch or killed quest number five billion i don't have to do this whatever i'll do the main story instead i didn't feel that way for any of them i felt like they were all like like even if it was just like oh save like this village or get a bunch of mongol armor so that it doesn't get to the con yeah. and then you get it instead. like they all felt like like necessary and i think like like the main the, like the i guess the the a story plot if we're talking in like sitcom terms it, like like the one straight storyline of the of the game might not be like that groundbreaking, but I think to dismiss like all the side quote unquote side characters like side plots, I feel like saying that there's side plots is kind of pushing yeah. them too far away because they're yeah. all together they they like form the main story more than just like the a plot does if that makes sense. Yeah, like, I can't imagine that really important. I can't imagine the story, the even the main story being nearly as impactful if I hadn't done all those side quests. Exactly, yeah. And yeah. I, I did. I ended up doing literally everything by so, the end of the game. I got every collectible. I did every single side quest. I liberated everything. And I can't, like, I know that's just like me doing it, but I can't imagining. I can't imagine myself not having done that. Yeah, and even so, I ended the game not having liberated everything or done every side quest. I did all the character side quests and all the side quests that seemed important at the time I was given them. Yeah. Um, the other stuff I wanted to finish the main story because I, I really wanted to not get spoiled on the game. So yeah, that, I wanted to get through that. that. So what? when uh, when you end the game, uh, you have Yuna will still come up to you and be like, yeah, we still got the desperate army here that we need to deal with. <laughs> One, so I, this kind of goes into, into uh, talk about like side quests and side characters and stuff, but it also kind of goes into gameplay. One one big problem that I had is that it felt like the mission structure for everything was very copy paste, and there were very yeah. few times where they really uh, 
messed around with the format a lot. And, you know, even though you're, you're there for the story, you're there for the character and you're still enjoying it, it was very disappointing at times when it's literally like if you took Yuna's side quest and you took all of Masako's side quests in one area, they would follow the exact same pattern. It would like, oh, start as you fighting people. And then the next mission is a stealth section. And then the next section is like a trailing mission. It's just all of them followed the exact same formula, which yeah. was really disappointing. And I do really wish uh, Ishikawa's side quests, I think, were, were interesting to me because often they would break that yeah, and, and have more unique stuff. Like with the time you end up talking to Tomoe, where you just have this bit where you, you're following her and checking traps and then going back and just having a conversation. And it's a lot calmer than many of the other side quests. Uh, you have the bit in the start with Ishikawa where you go to a hot spring and then you go to a, a haiku at one point. And so I, I think I would have loved more of that kind of thing of like maybe a side quest has you do a shrine with another character or you're doing some of these side activities with these other characters to kind of differentiate them from each other. Because the game very much does follow that like go here, kill this stealth here loop for most of the quests. It's it's disappointing for me because each one of these characters is very unique. They, they all have a different perspective on your actions on the current situation and on everyone else. And it's just disappointing that their mission designs couldn't reflect their personality more. You know, like they do it a little bit like, you know, Ishikawa, there's more like bow based stuff, but it's not, it's not enough. You know what I mean? Like it felt like they could have taken it way further than they did. Yeah. I think it's a lot of them just play into the open world mechanics of the game and don't have many unique, like uncharted style sections that are set pieces there's not very I mean, few, like, something set like witcher had far more like distinct interesting side quests that all felt very i don't know i think witcher had more distinct interesting conversations but this it followed the same loop generally of going to a place either having a conversation or killing something and then finishing the quest like when you break the stuff down it's still the same loop it's just the I way they, ha they handle it is a bit different well even well even then like with Witcher, there's different ways that it could that each side mission could turn out. So that's something. Yeah, that's it, what it's I'm the choice aspect, that, and like that's not problem that, here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is that like these side quests, even though the characters and stories within them are great, it's missing something. Just like that, that extra bit of uh, I don't know, spice or something to mix it up more. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I definitely uh, understand that. Uh, and that, that isn't to say, I think, again, Brett was covering it when he was talking about the character quests. I, I, I don't yeah. feel comfortable calling those side quests because, yeah. like, there is no way I would have finished the game without playing those. Like, me as a person, I've got to do all the stuff that's marked as important before I finish a game. Um, and I, I am super glad I did that because it gave it so much more emotional impact when, like, yeah. you know what all these characters have gone through. A, a good example for me is, like, Norio's side quests weren't really grabbing me for a while, and then suddenly you're presented with his quadriplegic brother, and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. it, that hit me hard. It's, yeah. And then I, you, you I, completely I, understand where this character is after that, I'm like, oh, wow. Or or the, the side quest where Yuna takes you to where she was, like, imprisoned for the longest yeah. time. And she kind of, she doesn't say specifically, but she hints at what she went through while she was there. And it just like, ugh, it was, it was hard to listen to and you wanted to help so yeah. much. And I think uh, yeah. for me, it was also Yuriko's two brief side stories mm -hmm. were very impactful. They had very little to do with the main story, but 
they do they did very much resonate with me like having known people that have gone through the same kind of like dementia that yeah. she was having yeah it, it's no, a, I, a thing that impacts I, you very closely i'm in I the straight exact same boat. Yeah. i straight up cried i, I think yeah. yuriko's for me like ended up being the one where i was really like wow this game is not pulling its punches um, yeah it's really going there so it was and it, it's really interesting because it did, did such a good job of you know d dementia wasn't something that was really understood back then and so they had to yeah. try and show you what was what was going on and, and what was you know what was going on with her without Jin understanding what it was, which is really interesting. Yeah, it's it's Jin trying to deal with this, and, and like he plays along for a little while because he doesn't want to break it to her. Yeah, that it's not what she's experiencing, and he she's like calling him by his father's name and talking to him about things, and he's just like, yeah, I I remember that. And it was it was really affecting for me, uh, and I think that's when like the side quests do get very unique and different. It's just sometimes they're they're long, and there are ones that just aren't very important. Like for me, it was often like the third side quest, and the in the bit of nine was just not that interesting. Uh, and there was definitely some that I feel like could have been trimmed a little bit, but the, the all... endings for me were all very very unique and important. Oh yeah. yeah. They all had that moment where the entire like your entire goal for that character flipped. Like the yeah. like the one that stood out to me especially was um Ishikawa when exactly. you started learning more about who Tomoe was. Yeah. Well, it's also cuz it, 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 you also learn more about Ishikawa and that he's really the kind of person he doesn't want to give anyone any space because then he he has to question his worldview. Yeah. And so you have this super interesting dynamic of like Ishikawa trying to wrestle with himself forever for if he can forgive Tomoe for things that maybe she didn't even do or or didn't he didn't understand the reasons behind um so early early on you find like Tomoe has killed Japanese prisoners oh. and then later on she's like well they were being tortured and it was the only way uh you could essentially have mercy for them and if i had just played Ishikawa's side quest i would probably would have scoffed at that but when you then take in Norio's quest and you see what the Mongols did to people to torture them, yeah. you are yeah. like, man, she did help. <laughs> like, this is not something that I would want to happen to anyone. And, like, even it's that's then ties in with Norio making the decision to, like, trust his brother's wish to essentially have assisted suicide because he's quadriplegic and can't do anything anymore. And it doesn't want to live that way. And it's like, th that stuff hits hard. And I think it's really cool how it kind of interconnects with other side stories. Yeah. And, and kind of leading off of that, what they did, which was really, really smart, was you unlock uh, all three sections of the island as the campaign progresses or as the story progresses. Yeah. And more of uh, characters like side stories or more like chapters of their story are unlocked along with that. And so it, 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 gives a lot of pacing to these stories where you can't just like one shot every single side mission at once yeah they pace it out more and they do a really good job of like okay at this point in the story there's these missions that now become available and so they always try and make it so that it impacts in some way other like either the main story or other side missions so they paced that out really well yeah all right so i think with that we've kind of wrapped up the side quests i i overall they are definitely stand out among open world games like comparing them to a lot of assassin's creed odyssey's side quests oh like oh. man <laughs> these are infinitely better uh, and i think it's because again tsushima is well balanced and it knows when to hold off like there are definitely fewer side quests here than there are in odyssey but that is not a bad thing <laughs> that's the other, 
that's the other thing too. The biggest thing for me is that Odyssey didn't know when to quit. Its world is absolutely huge, and they had it's either filled with nothing or just nebulous junk that you have to do. Yeah, Tsushima, it's the perfect size. Where Every area, area in Tsushima has a purpose. It, it all feels unique, and they are allowed to give more space to a single thing. They're, they're allowed to give more space to even just like a, a, a hot spring. But it it, yeah. it works so well because of that, because it has so much space dedicated to it. Yeah, I think the last like a uh, big thing I can remember of side quests being super significant for me was the uh, one specific mythic quest about getting the Kensei armor, where you have to do this series of six duels against yeah. the, uh, the Straw Hats. Yeah. That was super right. fun for me, especially on because I did that probably earlier than I should have on hard. So they were very challenging, and it yeah. was super fun. And I, I loved how each of the, those straw hats had a different approach to essentially fighting you. There's mm -hmm. one who was like super polite. He didn't hurt anyone. He just wanted to fight you because he was a master swordsman and just wanted to fight another master swordsman. And then there's yeah, one dude yeah. that is literally just killed like a village worth of people to draw you to him. Just and I liked how cool. I liked how Jin didn't necessarily want to fight them either. Yeah, yeah. Giving, constantly giving them chances. Well, to like the guy that's polite, you can literally, if you wait there, you have a conversation with him, where you just like talk about fishing. <laughs> yeah, he's the one that's fishing in the yeah. ocean. That's yeah. right. Yeah, My man. Yeah. How much of a badass do you have to be to just sit on a rock and just on the side of of, of an island in Japan and just fish and wait for someone to just to come kill you, basically? Like, yeah, oh it my was God. great. It's it's so like the thing is even during their fight again. they're like talking about like you know we could stop and he's just like no we have to keep going exactly it's it's so Kurosawa I'm bringing it up again because it's impossible not yeah. to and it's not going to be the last time but it's so like like it's it's very it's very anime it's very samurai it's very Japanese storytelling which is cool because I it's think not. that also is a tie-in so so I think overall why it probably isn't as into this game as I think Brett and I are. Just because, like, I think Brett and I are both pretty big samurai fans. Yeah, <laughs> of like all sorts yeah, of yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, all sorts I, of stuff. So that that definitely plays a part in it, where I think it 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 appeals to you guys immediately more than it does for me. Yeah. Not that it doesn't at all, but it just you know. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like this is definitely if you haven't seen samurai stuff, this is a great way to be exposed to it. If you have, you will notice so many callbacks to other things. And you'll like there are callbacks to all it's, sorts of Kurosawa movies, to, to different like anime plot arcs and whatnot. It's just great. Yeah. It's it's like saying, oh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 appeals to me because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. But for someone who isn't a Star Wars fan, it, it immediately isn't going to it's, mean as much yeah. to them. Yeah, uh, and that's, that's not a bad thing. It's just the, yeah. if you're definitely a fan of any samurai media, absolutely play the game. <laughs> um, it's definitely worth and even it. If, hey, even if you're like me and you don't watch a lot of that, as long as you, you know, have better luck than I did, it'll be fine. Yeah. Even if you're, uh, even if you're into to cowboy stuff, because a lot of cowboy, lot of cowboy western based off films. Of How? Uh, yeah, Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars takes so much of its inspiration from Kurosawa. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right, so we have we've hit the final mark of the show. We need to talk about the main story. <laughs> uh. So. We're gonna let's hold off on on the the like pros and cons <laughs> list until the end, and just go through like, did the main story impact you as much as you wanted it to? I think is a good question to ask. 
And I, I want to specify here not taking it in a vacuum. Because if you take it in a vacuum, I think it's very clear that Tsushima's main story is not that great. Like, as a main story, with on its, its own, without any of the side stuff. It's fine. Yeah, it would be fine. It's like, it's a typical samurai movie. Yeah. When you take in the rest of the stuff in the game, I think it becomes elevated by it. Yeah. Uh, greater than the sum of its parts. But again... Like, the Khan, to me, is one of the least interesting characters in this game, and is at no point... for the game. Yeah, he, he's like, at no point is he really a legitimate character to me. Well, the the roots were there. Like, the sea yeah. for an interesting villain was there. His whole thing of, like, he's he's questioning, you know, the samurai code, and he's kind of using the samurai code. That, like, that's interesting. That's an interesting basis for a villain. They don't go... They don't do anything with it, really. But... I could see what they were trying to do with him. Yeah, uh, I, I I agree with White on that. It's it's definitely a scenario of it feels like the con is just a little too non-present during the yeah. story to really be the threat he's supposed to be. Like he shows up three times. Uh, one of the times you don't fight him at all. He's just he shows up. He he wrecks your stuff. He kills one of your good friends, which was a super emotional moment. But yep. You, you can't really do anything about it because it's all it, it's not any part of game they needed, they needed more of that yeah not not you know killing people off but more more moments with him that were like just you as ch- being one step behind the con and him yeah, just yeah. like wrecking something it's, it's the same problem that breath of the wild had where you only yeah. really encountered ganon up at the very end and there was no there wasn't a whole lot of build up to him at all yeah you you fight him at the start and he's like he he wrecks your stuff and then you fight him at the end, and you probably wreck him. Uh, and, and to me, like the con fight was also not that interesting at the end. The duel no. was cool, but the the final bit where he's just like throwing mooks at you was just weird to me. That entire last, well, it's not the last mission, but the last mission with the con in it was was very underwhelming for me. I I was I was ready to be very disappointed, and then I realized it wasn't the last mission, and yeah. then I was okay with it. I think it's it's a for, well for me at least because I know I have a feeling that I'm 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 gonna be again different from the other two opinions here for for like a second to last mission. It was it's not like great, but it was fine. Yeah, well, I mean, I agree with that. Uh, I think for me the the biggest downside to that was there was a mission early in, earlier in the game where you're raiding uh, Shimura's castle the first time where you're like doing stuff with every character, every character has a little moment of you like fighting exactly. with them. And that just was not present at the end. It's just you and a big group running towards the enemy and then it killing reminded them in like me a minute. Of, yeah. That middle section reminded me of like a mass effect ending where at some point you're going to run into another character that you've been playing with along the yeah. way and they're going to help you with the mission in some way. It's such a, it's such a good way of like, incorporating all of the work that you've done leading up to it. I mean, even Mass Effect Andromeda did it at one point in the ending, which was great. And it was so disappointing here. It, it should have been like a rally the troops moment, right? Of Even yeah, when Shimura yeah. shows up, I feel like that should have been given more gravitas of, yeah, this is the moment. This is everyone is coming together, despite all their differences, to like end this huge threat to Japan. And the, it just the, wasn't really handled gotta... as as heavily as I wish it was. The Yarikawa fight was way more climactic than the final fight is, and that's a big yeah. problem for me. That's, it just that's felt like there problem. there weren't enough, there wasn't any staging to it. Whereas the Yarikawa fight and the fight for the for Shimura's castle, 
they all had like different separated stages where you were doing things with different characters and here that just wasn't there again it's that problem of they don't want to deviate from their gameplay formula too much i don't think they, that's a deviation thing i think i think at the end it was probably a time thing yeah I'm well, more that as well well no i i and i de- i was i was leading to i definitely agree that it was probably a time thing but it's still a problem in a lot of other parts of the game yeah but, but where... they did show that they can do that right with the arikawa fight and the uh the castle raids earlier on right so... but that's the exception not the yeah, yeah but those should be the exception because those are the major story moments it's, right those are it, huge story yeah. bits this was also stuff like that beat. should have happened in more parts of the game like not everywhere but there were certain points where it could have used more of like that Yarikawa I don't know. Flare. I think the Yarikawa flare works so well because it is pretty rare. Um, if you put that everywhere, it kind of loses the effect. I'm not saying everywhere. I'm saying in a few select parts, I feel like it could have... Not the exact same type of thing, but something... Like the, I think for the majority of the game, it's fine. But once you hit that third area, you do the Yarikawa fight. It doesn't really happen again. And I feel like it should have happened one, maybe two more times after Yarikawa. Yeah. I, I don't think putting any more before Yarikawa would necessarily be the call. No, absolutely not. Uh, but afterwards, there's just no fights like that. There's no climactic big raids like that. Uh, it's, yeah. It's weird, because like, that, that last uh, like shipyard is huge, and then you use like... You use like, a tiny like, segment of it. It's yeah. You use like a fifth of it for like stealthing or or fighting through whatever, however you choose to get through those first group of Mongols, while everyone else is doing something else. And then like you use like another quarter of it for chasing the Khan away. And there's there's so much space for like like okay, well you get to this part and it's like yeah. now you're fighting with Norio, and then it's like oh well there's this thing. Uh, there's a bunch of archers. Now you have to do it with Ishikawa because he is Archer Man. And just like stuff like that, there's so much space for that, and I feel like, like the space is there. They probably wanted to do exactly. it. Exactly. The space it being there is is the proof to me that it was almost certainly yeah. intended to be that way. Um, but I again, it's I, not that it's bad. It's just less it's, climactic yeah. than it should be. I think the the play and maybe what they had planned on doing, but I think what would have worked best for me is to have that final fight mirror the very first fight in a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it would have been this great. Uh, you know, comparison of like where you were versus where you are now. And I feel like that was something they wanted to do. Because again, there's that moment where Norio is like leading the main forces up and then you just kind of meet up with him and then you just split off. Yep. It was so weird. I was ready for this like big charge with everyone like, uh, you know, on either side of you. And, and, and you know, the, the true ending is great, but I don't think... I don't think that should overshadow. Yeah, what was here. the true ending this, isn't this meant to be the it. climax. Is the thing it's meant to be like the aftermath. It it is the quiet ending to the story. But it doesn't. But that aftermath part of it doesn't feel like it should. When you know, comparatively speaking, the 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 climax was kind of a wet fart. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> I I think that it's not that the aftermath has anything wrong with it. It's that the climax needed to be more climactic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because then the aftermath would feel more like an aftermath in comparison, instead of like the best mission in the game. <laughs> I, um, I found it. I found it very, very, very frustrating, personally. Maybe, maybe to a more to a greater extent than you than you guys. The yeah, final segment and not not the conflict. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, I was no, talking no. about the final segment, not the conflict. The con fight for me was super, super frustrating. To me, it was just super gamey. Like, it felt very video game boss. Where well, it just felt like the other every other didn't. fight. It felt like every other fight you'd done throughout the entire game. It just felt like you were 
you know, liberating a camp or whatever. And it's like, this shouldn't feel yeah, like Yeah, it that. felt like a video game it's thing. Just, it didn't feel like a so boss fight. Because all the it duels felt, like, felt uh, more impactful. Yeah, this this felt like a like a like almost like a Bowser fight. It's yeah. like three phases. You fight him on because uh, like he like jumps back to hide behind his minions it, that he sends yeah. after you. His <laughs> even like, his like attack patterns weren't very unique. You know, for, he was for me like it's not a death sentence. It's just worse than everything else. So yeah, not, it like, stands out really more because of how good the rest of the game is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely where I'm at with it as well. Um, the So the one major thing I felt after seeing most of the game is that I feel like Ryuzo was a little bit of wasted potential. Same. I a think little. Ryuzo, I think that that second fight with Ryuzo should have been a him escaping and then coming back and being at the end, like a last fight type situation would have been really cool. <laughs> Um, just saving his fight for that for that last climactic battle would have it felt it. weird because his story kind of ended i think it ended the way it should but it ended very quietly and like he didn't have a huge effect on the game past the first segment which felt a little weird especially with how stilted towards straw hats the second area is yeah um, I, I think he needed a little bit more agency. Maybe not at the end. Maybe something, another like mission of mm-hmm. doing something with him in that second area to finally like, cap out his story. It felt like his story had a beginning and an end, but not a middle. If that makes I think sense. They like ra- rather than like moving the the fight around. And I was thinking about this while I was playing because they they talk about uh, how they had uh, that 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 duel in the when they were kids, right? Yeah. Uh, it would like because they have they have so many really great flashbacks. Like flashbacks are a thing sometimes yeah. in, in yeah. stories where it's like, oh yeah. my god, another flashback. But in this game, it's like it's handled okay, cool. very now well. Gonna, yeah, now I'm going to turn on the Kurosawa mode to make it in black and white too, and it'll be really cool. But like they could have they could have done that fight in flashback almost. I feel like, and that would have built up his character. Yeah, even more. Yeah, yeah, that would have worked too. It's just it felt like we didn't get any characterization of him after he left. And then we're just yeah. asked to kill him and care about it. And I, I really... It's not that I didn't care about him. It's just I, I was kind of done with him. Like, <laughs> he didn't have enough of a, an emotional impact on me outside mm-hmm. of that first mission. And it felt like a little bit of wasted potential. It it's definitely uh, speaks to, I think, there are a few noticeable spots where it feels like they ran out of time. Like, we were talking about that last climactic yeah. fight, Ryuzo's character arc. A lot of the... Uh, not like you know the the handcrafted cutscenes and uh, but but the cutscenes that were definitely just done with gameplay like it kind of reminded me of like a Gary's mod or like it kind of reminded me of like early Red versus Blue some of the cutscenes where they're just clearly you know using uh, you know, they're using the gameplay as like the cutscene and not like hand done animation which you know is hard to do but it just felt like okay that was something you wanted to do and didn't have time you know what I mean it just felt yeah. like. They Which the odd thing to me is that we have Legends coming out so soon, so I'm wondering where this time happened. If it was just like a yeah. a pipeline issue of something's not getting finished, uh, but but again, everything that's in there feels super finished. Yeah. So I I don't know if it was maybe With the exception cut of content. those glaring of those weird like it, it works, but it's like the, it was clear that yeah, it's hard to tell if they more. were cut intentionally or if they were things that they ran out of time for, is where mm-hmm. I would put it. Like an, another example is a, 
uh, in the last section, like right before the fight, Yuna talks about, oh, we got to get some watches for the fight. And I was like, okay, that's going to be a mission later. And then it's just yeah, never you just, ha- you just have them. <laughs> like that definitely felt like a mission you were supposed to have with Yuna and it just didn't happen. Yeah. So weird. There's a few little things like that. But again, like it, they stand out because the rest of the game is so good that think... these moments stick out a lot more. Yeah, definitely. It's like, it's less... I, yeah, I, I don't know what I was about to say. You, pretty, you said it pretty much perfectly. But uh, I think these are... Because I, I don't know how much uh, I, I, like DLC or like post-launch stuff they're having. But if they had like any, any more content that they had for this game, I will play it, basically. Like yeah. Legends is great. But if they add more story things... Because like it's pretty open ended at after the 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 soft ending. I mean, like, so so something a lot of people don't know. There were two Mongol invasions of Japan very close after one another. <laughs> hmm. So to me, this is, says we're almost certainly going to have a sequel set in the second Mongol invasion, which is I think please, like five uh, to ten years later. So it gives time for our characters to grow to experience some stuff. Um, and it also a lot of the the side characters when at their endings will be like I'll be there when you need you when when I'm needed um, yeah which makes sense if you do them before the final boss but it, a lot of them also say it in ways that kind of imply an in the future thing yeah because they that also leads me to believe there will be a sequel character dialogue also changes when you do other things before other things yeah. and the fact that it's those cool. don't change implies that there might be more exactly. Um, that, that's where I'm at. So now we need to talk about the final mission. Oh boy. The final sequence of this game. Uh, essentially what happens is Shimura contacts you. You have this like nice peaceful start to the quest where you and Shimura are kind of talking and, uh, rehashing a lot of stuff that's been happening and going you over your differences. Cart. Yeah. You help you push, push a cart. cart. That's right. Um, yeah, it's it's a very nice segment, and the thing I love about it is that it's from the instant you get this, it is not played as a negative thing, right? It, it's very much played as two old friends kind of connecting with each other, and you know it's not going to be you you. I think if you're at all familiar with narratives, and especially samurai narratives, you know this isn't going to end well. There's a hint of like something's off. There's hints of animosity, and the the music and everything is kind of playing towards this thing something's going to happen right and i think yeah. most people will guess what what that's going to be because uh, i don't think they really particularly try to hide it i think it's more they're they're just really trying to give this final moment of like shimura it very much feels like shimura is like taking his dog out for a last walk you know exactly it, um, it felt the same way as uh, the caretaker almost in reverse yeah. a little bit exactly yeah. that's a good way to put it uh, it's it's a very interesting thing because you also have like Gene and Shimmer at the end realizing that they're both on the same page and neither one of them is certain who will come out of this yeah the victor or what's even going to happen uh, and I think it's that's a super interesting aspect of it and then you do your final haiku which is to me like the standout culmination of everything this game was leading up to is that haiku yeah, for sure. Where it's it's combining these two very different elements of the game into like such a very samurai thing to do. Yeah, that it just feels great, and I, that last haiku is super cool, and especially because you have the option to make it hopeful, or you have the option to make it super bleak. 
which is yeah, really cool. Yeah. Like depending on who you are and what you think you're going to do. Yeah. You can make that ending very different. Like for me, I, I chose the one that's like, we're walking different paths now. Same. It's yeah. just, we are two different characters yeah. that, that are, we'll always be friends to some degree, but we are just walking our own paths now. Whereas there's another option that's like, we're literally just fighting without any hope. And <laughs> to me, it's just so cool that you can do that and, and really color like your experience. Either, no matter what kind of haiku you make, it fits the situation perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Which, sure. is what, which is what the uh, final decision does really well, is both yeah. decisions make sense. Because yeah. I sat there for a good solid 10 minutes. just. I, I think for me, I had options. this... So you're presented with the option, if once you win the duel... And the, the thing I love is this, this duel is set in the the uh sakai family graveyard under a tree of like red and white leaves falling against each other and the thing that i was really happy about is my go-to ronin outfit which it auto equips for you during this was the red and white one so i was in this red and white background in my red and white thing and it just was matching perfectly and i was so satisfied with how it looked and you just have this final duel and it's a it's I think the thing here is this duel's not super difficult. It's not like a duel that's a, a culmination of the fights. Like it, this isn't the final challenge of the game. This is more like a send off to the character. It's serving a narrative purpose yes. more than a gameplay purpose. Yeah. And and this fight like it looks very cool, but it is not the most challenging. It's more meant to be played where you can kind of respond to his movements, have your own attacks, and like it it plays like a dance almost. I think this is the, the duel that's most tuned around that. Um, and the ending, you get the choice to either kill or spare Shimura. And the, the interesting thing is, like, Shimura's basically begged for you to kill him. But either decision makes good good sense, depending on who you are yeah. and what your playthrough is like. You're not a jerk for picking either one, I don't yeah. think. And I, I think for me in my playthrough, I didn't have the struggle that Wyatt did just because of the way that I had had my gene responding to dialogue, especially in like Norio's quests, put me at the position where I was like, yeah, there is literally zero chance the gene that I was playing would kill him. Mm-hmm. Just because like there's so much dialogue literally of, of him with like Norio talking about this. And he's like, yeah, I do hope in the future that I can talk to Shimura like family again. And I think that makes perfect sense in my playthrough. But for someone else, it will make perfect sense to do the opposite. Yeah, yeah for me, I, the the way I thought about it was I, I spared him. And what was great about that was what Jin said when, when I made that decision was almost exactly what I was thinking, which was great. His line was something like, uh, I have no honor, but I won't kill my family, which is exactly yeah. what I was imagining, which is like, you know, Jin could kill him, but but Jin, for me, is someone like even if he's not a samurai, even if it's going against that code, he he can't kill his family. And I think for me, the thing about that specific ending that hits really hard is I feel like a lot of people might think the first line, like "I have no honor," might be referencing the fact that he is going to leave him alive. Whereas I think Jin is referencing more the it would be dishonorable to kill his family more than he believes he has no honor. And I, I think you could interpret that as being like, that's the dishonorable move, but Gene is interpreting it elsewise. He's taking that to mean, like, it would be the final loss of his honor if he did kill him. Mm-hmm. Whereas I have a feeling if you did the kill me option, the kill him option, it would be different and reflect that. Brett, what did you pick? I, yeah, I, I picked the option uh, to kill him because I, the, the way I thought about it was like, 
I I might be straying as as Jin from the the path of the the honorable samurai, but it's uh, um, my uncle is not, and that's not like this. He's he's giving he's giving me the option to give him the death that he desires, and either way, he's going to die at this point. And as the person that he wants to see so badly as his son. I am I am going to give him the the death that he he would want cuz he obviously doesn't want to let go of the whole honor thing and yeah you're not going to be able to teach him that now cuz he's he's on the ground dead already pretty much I mean so the interesting thing is he does not die if you don't kill him he is fine Oh really? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't yeah. die. Um, and Jean goes back and talks to Yuna, but like she's like, "Do you think he's going to go come after us?" And Jean is like, "I don't think he will, but the the shogun certainly will." That's interesting. So I, I think that was the weird thing. I do think the cutscene made it look like Shimura was more wounded than he actually was from the rest of the implications. Um, I mean, also, like, I, I felt like he was more wounded than he, I guess, actually was because, I mean, you just stabbed him multiple times after. Right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So, so. I, I've, I think I've talked about this with both of you at some point, but when I when I saw that 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 final decision actually meant something, and it was the only one that did, I, I thought back and I wondered if the way that this story is set up and the way that the gameplay is set up, I think that having more, I, I think that that choosing which playstyle you wanted to do should have affected the story more, and I say that because it's it's a story. And it and the gameplay that accompanies it would fit it so perfectly. It just feels like it's something that like why like why wasn't that decision made? You know what I mean? Because there were there yeah. are points where it's like because again a lot of Jin's struggle is you know keeping this this samurai code or doing what he thinks he needs to do, which is a great you know uh, inner conflict for a character. And I feel like that struggle for him would have made it much more real for the player if that reflected in the gameplay somehow, because there's a couple of moments, for example, when you're, you're storming, what was it? Castle Canada, Canada, Canada. right. Canada, Not Canada. So, okay. Canada. Castle Canada. Look, hey, look, look, Hey, listen, shut up. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but there, there, there's a moment where you're trying to get around uh, some like people that are guarding the gate. Right. And you use your poisonous darts right in front of shimura and he's like whoa what what the yeah. heck and that's and that's like the the moment where he's like i can't i'm completely disassociating myself with you well he's not because so, like... he then goes in and asks you to blame yuna <laughs> right but but that's that's the moment where where yeah what you're right you get what i you get what i mean it's it's the moment where you go ghost right that's the moment where right. where gene goes fully ghost right i feel like if you were if you were someone somewhat like me who is playing a mostly like honorable samurai playthrough that comes completely out of nowhere and it doesn't make yeah. any sense and i so, feel like that's a moment where like if you were if you were playing a more honorable style then that cutscene should have been different and, and so I, I think like um talking about that specific cutscene there's a few things that i did in my playthrough that made that specific cutscene weird and that i was playing both ghost and normal but i had never used the poisons up until that point. I just didn't think they were necessary at all. Mm. So I never used them, which meant I didn't really have that logic of like, this does this felt out of character for the gene that I've been playing. However, I think overall, 
I don't think it's an issue that the narrative does not go different ways because I think the where you're coming from White is a narrative perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Of wanting a, a reflection of your gameplay actions. I think depending on the kind of player you are, you will have vastly different approaches. And I was the kind of person that liked to do a different approach on most of the different camps. Like some camps I would do fully stealth, some I would do fully combat. And if that factored into my decisions and made me get a, a gene that I didn't think matched my play style, um, just because of like I did more camps stealth or more camps honorable, it would just be weird to me. And it would also be restricting of gameplay. Like if you wanted to do a run of this kind, you would have to not use certain gameplay styles, which works in a game like Dishonored, where overall the story is fairly short, and the the missions are meant to be re- replayable to experience both sides. Mm-hmm. But this is a long open world game, super long, and I think that would lead not only to massive scope issues on the team side. Yeah. But to people having an experience they don't want to have, and for the it would lessen the gameplay by forcing you into one of two boxes. Um, the stuff I agree with what you're saying though is definitely there's a weird over reliance on the poison. <laughs> yeah. To me, because it, it's just again something I never used. Um, so to to see the entire third act kind of revolve around using poison was a bit weird. Uh, but it, it didn't like I, I at no point was I like this isn't this doesn't make sense it was just like I don't this isn't as affecting as it could be it doesn't make as much sense as I wish it did if that makes sense I guess I, I, I and I think I mostly say that just because when I when I look at this it's like it, it feels like it would be so it feels like they they yeah. made this story and this gameplay with that in mind and they had to cut it last minute I don't because, think it again, does again I don't think it was last minute. If or it, not last minute, but but it felt like they were going there at some point, and then they they probably yeah. because of scope they they you know course corrected. But but again, I I I feel like Jin as a character would have been way more interesting to me if they had this kind of like branching narrative based off of your gameplay because I feel like that would have you connect with his. Uh, inner conflict that the whole game much more yeah. and i feel like the, the whole uh main story would have been so much better off if you were more engaged in it not that you aren't i still think it was well done for for the more linear story that they had but i feel like his his struggle would have been would have felt a lot more uh impactful yeah i get that um I think so. Something I I had conversations with about with a few people about fairly recently is in a lot of RPGs, people tend to go for the good path. It's something like um, in Mass Effect, like I think it was like eighty percent of players did Paragon or something. Maybe it was closer to ninety percent. It was a, it was a ridiculous percentage. And it, it's the question of like, is a story that ends good inherently better? Because Tsushima is technically like the bad ending for Gene, right? Yeah. It's it's not. He doesn't end off in a great place. Like, personally, he's okay, but he's being hunted by the Shogun and is going to have to live as an outcast the rest of his life um, until inevitably Ghost of Tsushima 2. <laughs> Please. Forces him out of that Please. life, uh, <laughs> which I think will definitely happen. But a lot of people have this this focus of, like, a story needs to end good for it to be a good story, whereas I think it's always more affecting 
to me personally, if a story is engaging and it doesn't matter if the, if it ends the way I want it to, so long as the journey and the destination makes sense. Like, I think that was a lot of people's problem with mass effect three originally is that the ending just didn't make sense with the journey you had taken. But I think regardless of how you play this game, it, how you they do force you to do some stealth stuff in missions, and I think it will make sense regardless of who you are, how the story goes down, and that journey will make uh, the ending, however you choose the ending to be, really reflect your run of the game. Um, but it's it's like it's the question of why are there bad options in games like The Witcher Three if people don't generally use them? It's because sometimes those options can make for a more engaging story. Yeah, like sometimes it's more interesting if this character who you could have as an ally is dead because you you messed up, right? Um, which can happen in The Witcher Three. It can happen in uh, Dishonored in some places. It's just stuff okay. like that could be a lot more interesting. Okay, so think about it this way. Think of it as you know, if if they kept going with this like gameplay branching decision concept, right? I feel like you could spin it in a way where there's no, there's not a clear good or bad ending for Jin, regardless. Think about it this way: Let's say if you if you had like a ghost run and you got the ending of like, oh, I had to kill Shima or not kill Lord Shima, right? But let's say you took the samurai ending and because you were sticking to your code, more people along the way died because you more side characters along the way died because you wouldn't because you had to stick to your samurai code and put them in danger because of that. And yeah, so in that I, I case, think I get where you're coming from. It's not a clear good or bad ending. It's more complicated. I get where you're coming you're from, but then the samurai path doesn't show any character growth. Yeah. There's there's not an arc there. It's just Jin experiencing bad things. And that's where a lot of bad story uh, stories that end poorly get that from is like uh, this specifically happened with like the Game of Thrones TV show where if a character just doesn't have an arc, it's not interesting. It, even yeah. if that character is interesting, the, the lack of an arc there is what will bother people. Because like, if you are playing a samurai-only run and Gene just doesn't learn from his mistakes, maybe you could say that it's the player not learning from their mistakes, but then I don't think that's an interesting story. That's just it's, yeah. you doing the same thing. It, it's insanity, right? It's you doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And then you'd have people like... Like Yuna would inevitably yell at you because she's the she's the one that that yells at Lord Shimura yeah. specifically for having all those soldiers die just because they're fighting honorably. Like she, like you would have characters yelling at you for doing that, and it's like, oh well, no, I got to do the samurai path. So and, the, and then nothing would change. You just have a bunch of very angry characters, and then you'd end the game. But but Jin would be happy, and it's yeah. like I don't know if I would want to. I, I don't want to say waste, but like do a whole like. 40 something hour experience and then have that be the ending i would much rather have it be the way it, it feels like now. you didn't learn anything right there's exactly. there's no there's no moral to the story which i think is super important when it comes to you storytelling could, you could you know and obviously it would take it would take time to really think about it but i feel like you could have that path and have him learn something maybe it's something different but that would probably be a different game right like that wouldn't be the same game or something totally different than, than what we have right now I think you, I, I, I think it could work. I just think it would. Yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from, and especially on the narrative side, I see it. But I, I think the reality is that would be a different video game, because like I can almost guarantee you, people would stop playing if the only gameplay option they had was just sword fighting. As good as it feels, it's not nearly as in depth as something like Dark Souls or Neo yeah. games that are built around that. Um, you only get one. Story. 
yeah, it, it's it restricts you from doing so much in the game that I think it it is blanket worse for the the end product will be worse if that's the approach you take. Um, and I think Tsushima could have been a game that was about that, right? That was about a character strictly sticking to their moral code and seeing the consequences of their actions. But then you don't have this commentary on like the the morality of it, where Gene has like, is his approach better or is it worse? Because he does end up doing some really bad stuff and giving Mongols this poison, right? Like that's where the poison does play in is because of his actions that he didn't necessarily think through, even though they seem better in the moment, they led to this huge issue of we suddenly have given our enemy a incredibly potent tool against us. Uh, that I, I think does work well for the story. It's just, it seems weird when you, if you haven't used the poisons in gameplay. If that'll make sense. No, it does. I, I'm not deterred, but I see where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the reality is if you wanted that, it would have been a different game. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Because it, it the Ghost of Tsushima, I think they decided early on to make the story not rely on choice. Which because they're telling a specific story. Which is interesting, because this is a studio that's actually known for having... Uh, yeah, options. for having stuff it, like that. Like, Infamous as, is like that. As simplistic as it is in those other games. But then again, so, so that falls into that binary morality issue of, like, it doesn't leave gray area. Um, it, it's just your actions are either good or evil. And which here again, it's a lot more me... in-depth. Which again makes me think the way that the story is set up, that's something they wanted. They they were maybe exploring at one point, which is why I'm I'm kind of bringing it up to begin with. Yeah, because of the studio's history and because of how the story works, I really feel like at some point they were kind of messing around with that. I, and I guess that. I'm just I guess I'm just fantasizing what that could have been like as someone who's primarily focused on narrative and how you can tell yeah. narratives in an interesting way. And I also think it's it, there's different benefits, right? Because when you're telling a story that is set like this and just has the ending be different, you have different strengths and weaknesses. So your your story needs to be strong enough to get your player to the end, which clearly Tsushima is, uh, yeah. because we all finished it and <laughs> people are having a great time with it. And to be clear, I'm not I'm not judging it for what it yeah because that's and, and not think... to a certain extent that's not fair. A similar thing to look at for video games is like Last of Us 2. I'm not going to spoil anything, but you don't have a lot of choice in 2, right? There, in fact, I don't know if you have any choice <laughs> about how the story goes. No. But that game is about a specific thing, and as much as some people would think it would be better if you had choices there, it wouldn't tell the story that the team wanted to tell and that they felt needed to be told. Uh, and, and that's a game that, like, personally, I would have loved to see something more... Well, actually, no, I don't think I would have loved to see something more choice-based because it's interesting if it isn't. Uh, but, like, we did a whole podcast about our feelings on it, so I'm not going to go over the same thing. Essentially, it's, it's a similar issue, right, of how do you approach narrative in a game when the gameplay and how the player feels are, are kind of at conflict with one another? And and many people, I'm not one of those people, but many people feel like having a linear story isn't, uh, it isn't uh, taking advantage of what video games can do. Yeah. And I feel like that's a very 
I want to say limited mindset of like what games can be, because I feel like it's not always a good decision to give choice to a player. You have to know when you have to know when yeah, to because do. if you if you gave choice to people doing like old folk tales, they would all probably have happy endings like the Disney versions, right? And not yeah. be mm-hmm. well, you can also run into a situation games. like you do sometimes in Mass Effect, depending on how you're playing, where like you'll make one decision one time and then another decision another time. And then you have an inconsistent character, and that's your fault. Yeah, because the, the character is just doing two radically different things. Um, and I, I think that's it's different approaches. Uh, Tsushima yeah. has has its approach, which I think works well for the most part. It's just there are those questions of like, poison is not shows up fairly late in the game, is then pushed as this major story element when it feels a little out of left field that it is. Uh, but yeah, I think overall we all came out of this game having a great time, which is the important part. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Asterix. Yeah. Asterix. <laughs> why it had a lot of bugs. Can I? All right. Can Can I run down? We talked about a couple of them, but can I run down the list of some other ones that I ran into? Yeah, this is a good real, note real to end, to do it at the ending is <laughs> go through Bo- why it's bonus, list. Bonus round. Um, there were multiple times when uh, enemies were on like a, a higher level than I was. They wouldn't come down. I wouldn't be able to ca- climb up to them. And it was very early on in the game, so I didn't have a lot of like ranged uh, weapons of any kind. And because he had a spear, he could just poke at me, and I just had to leave him because <laughs> I, I couldn't kill him. It was super annoying. Uh, there was a time when uh, I was fighting someone in the in the Yarikawa fight, and I would like aim right at him. I'd be right up in his face. I would attack him, and then Jim would just kind of slide around him. That was a lot of fun. Uh, multiple times when I couldn't pick up items, uh, the grappling hook would just completely misfire. I couldn't get on my horse. Uh, I had people running into walls constantly. Uh, I had moments where, like, if you round a corner, the world wasn't quite loaded in yet, and you could see it loading in as you were rounding a corner, which was really, which was really, really strange. Um, as I said before, moments where like I would do an assassination, it would just do a normal attack. Now, something I'm unclear about if this is a bug or I'm just an idiot. If there is an attack from an enemy and it has the blue kind of spark to it, those are blockable. They are right? parryable. No, they are not very, blockable. That's what I meant. They are parryable. Right? Which means you have to press the button when they hit you, not yeah. before, and you cannot hold it. Like if they do a sequence of attacks with that, you have to block every single one individually. Hold on, I, I think I made a, a, a sticky note list somewhere for my bugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, while Wyatt's looking, I, I wanted, I do want to get each of our like individual opinions on the end. I already kind of said mine. I thought it was great. Um, I love samurai stuff, and this was more of that. It's just all the little minor things, like the stances to me. Some of them looked a little goofy, but that's it. That's really my, my most major complaint. Uh, how so about you, Blake? This is, like, not the ending. This is, like, final thoughts on the whole game. Yeah, this is final thoughts. I, I like, absolutely loved every single second that I was playing this game. And, like, I thought it finished perfectly. Like, my one main gripe is that, like, that last con mission. But it's, for me at least, it's so minor that, like, if I if I were to use yeah. the, the forbidden number scale, I would, I would, at at least like a 9.5 out of 10. Like I was like genuinely surprised how much I, I love this game, but I think this is definitely going yeah. up there for me with like, this is up there with like, like Halo or something where this is like something that I'm going to remember for a while. 
and I'm going to want to come back and play it. I definitely agree with that. Um, I would, I would, this game for me, I think there's enough small complaints that I would not be likely to give this game a 10 on the forbidden number scale. (laughs) Um, But a nine, I feel like would be, is my starting point. And as I, I go further on, having thought about it, it might go up to a 10 depending on how much this like affects my year. Like if this is my goatee or not, um, because right now it's it's got some stiff competition with FF7 remake. <laughs> yeah, that game was also fantastic. Um, and I think for me, like the the biggest way I tell if a piece of media has had a major impact on me is if when I'm done, I I get left with that feeling of like, wow, like what now? Yeah, like exactly. what compares to this? And for me, that happens mostly with books of like a long yeah. book series I've been reading. And I'll get to the ending and I'll just be like, wow, like that ended so well and the entire thing was just so solid throughout that I, I just don't know what to follow it up with. And I think for Tsushima, like the biggest benefit this game has is that it ends incredibly well. Mm-hmm. And there are so many games that don't have that advantage, right? Like I, I think Last of Us Part Two is one where depending on who you are, it ends super well or doesn't end well. But either way, it's controversial. Um like the witcher i think ends really well it's one of those games that has that effect on people which is why people remember it um and and for me like the witcher 3 has three different endings and all of them are uh, very very emotionally affecting and unique in their own ways uh and sushima just is is like that where either of the two endings you pick shown by like brett picking the different one from Wyatt and i you have a very unique ending that it really does put it in place for you um for me like the only series of games recently that's done that is yakuza yakuza is the only other game series that has made me think that consistently so yeah uh i'm curious wyatt what were your your final thoughts if he's still I not like switching it. <laughs> um it's i definitely don't like it as much as you guys do uh, but again, like Brent and I are, are samurai nerds. <laughs> that no, that's definitely part of it. That's definitely part of it. But it, there's so many things that personally annoy the crap. Like bugs aside, let's say bugs were not a thing for me. That aside, there's there's so many little things. Like I hate having to constantly open up inventories and menus and stuff like that in the middle of a game. I hate it. And I felt like I had to do it way too many times with this, especially because it's so disorganized. And the camera was something that like, even though I got used to it, it constantly bothered me. Like it, it I got, I grew uh, a callus to it, but that didn't mean I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I get what you mean. Uh, and then you add in the bugs on top of that. And the fact that I'm just, it's not uh, a setting. I think it's cool, but I, I'm not, super well versed in it and i'm not i don't have a connection to it like you guys do um so forbidden number scale it's tough i'm i'm hovering between a seven or an eight okay yeah, yeah I, I think that's fair um I, I think the game reviewed around like eight to nine so i think generally we're all in that range of yeah Agreeing mostly with the critical consensus, especially giving room for different players and different enjoyments. Like the benefit of this podcast is that we don't have to agree with each other and we don't have to come to a yeah. consensus. That's why there's that being said, this is games. That being said, my 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 opinion is superior to everyone. <laughs> yeah, and oh, I and think so uh, I will say the same. My opinion's better than 
these two, obviously. See, look, 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 look. Opinions are like assholes. We all have them, and mine is better than all of yours. <laughs> Great job keeping in line with the family friendly. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, so no, with, no, no, with yeah. this, I think we're, we're reaching the end of this episode of Games Club. Unless there's any outstanding last comments we really need to get out there. Um, the most the most outstanding thing I thought about this game is that uh the guy that plays uh Koten Khan is the same guy that plays uh uh Attila the Hun <laughs> in, really in uh Night at the Museum. That's very funny. <laughs> pretty, yeah, That's it's the amazing. same dude. Aww. Yeah, I yeah, think I do want to give one like we're not doing shout outs for this, but major shout out to whoever did the visual design for like the map oh. in Tsushima. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that, I think, is what will stick with people for a while. It, it, and it's, it was one person. It yeah. must have been a team. Like, holy! It shit, has to have been a team, but they did such an amazing job yeah. of like and, realizing this design. And adding on to that, the uh, the minimal use of UI was great. So, dude, I, I, I'm yeah. kind of surprised we didn't talk about the guiding winds at all. We completely oh, forgot about right. it. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll do it right now. You know, this yeah. is our show. We so, can do whatever we want. So. Uh, Typically in open world games or most games really you have like a little uh, icon your objective marker that you're supposed to run towards. Yeah. Tsushima does it a little bit differently. Uh, you, they give you they tell you what you're supposed to do, how far away you are. But if you want to know where you're supposed to go, you swipe up on the uh, touchpad and there's this gust of wind that is pointing in the direction that you're supposed to go. And eventually when you get close enough in many cases an icon will pop up just to make things easier and for what, you. And I think one thing you're 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 underestimating here. You don't even need to swipe up. You can just follow like leaves and you'll eventually reach yeah, your destination. Yeah. You don't yeah, need to swipe up ever. where your destination is. And adding on to that, every time you set a marker, it does the gust of wind yep. automatically when you leave yep. so you don't have to do it separately, which was a great little addition. Uh, but yeah, there's just a lack of like UI crap. Like if you play Assassin's Creed Odyssey, there's just there there's icons everywhere, and it's it's a mess. And so it's really nice to just have a game that speaks for itself, gets out of the way of the visuals, and just lets you, you know, it, it lets you immerse yourself yeah. in that world. Which is I think cool. on the uh, the narrative side, they they introduce both the guiding wind and the birds that will occasionally guide you to locations in the narrative as in. The, this mythology of Gene's like family, the wind is his father at a, the wind of his father at his back, like watching over him, and the birds yeah. are his mother leading him. They on. don't say it explicitly, which is they great. do. They kind of hint at it. No, they say it explicitly. They, they say it. not well, not like they say it explicitly, Wyatt. In the in the first thing, when no, I know what line of dialogue you're talking. I know what line of dialogue you're talking about, but it's not. But he literally I, says I, your I father will like be the wind at your I back, know, and your mother look, will be the birds. I understand. <laughs> I understand, but I'm glad. It, there, there's like a more direct, like pounding it in your face kind of way that they could have done it. Yeah, I know they did, because that's like 99% of video game writing is that they just yes. smash yeah. it yeah. into your brain to make sure you get it. Whereas it's here, like this it's, map it's here, not like you have the GPS. Indirect. The GPS it's not is completely tech. indirect, but it's 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 just subtle enough for it to not be like we're gonna nail this into your head. Do you get it yet? Yeah. Well, it's because they're not introducing it in a in a tutorial. It's in a flashback where they're like talking about what gene went through when his father died yeah. and he's going over like this is what i felt and yeah it's super interesting i i think it was a great way of handling it and i think actually us forgetting about the guiding wind is a good way to demonstrate how effective it was <laughs> yeah. at being like a non player in the game right it's meant to be super laid back and just guide you where you need to go 
without being something you constantly have to be reminded of, right? It's not a waypoint marker. It's just the wind bringing you to places. And if you turn the pro HUD off, you or pro HUD on, you don't get those markers of where people are. You have to follow the leaves to them directly, and it works. It's really cool, and I loved it. Um, I'd absolutely recommend to anyone who wants to do a second playthrough, try it on the pro HUD. Yeah. It makes the game a lot harder because you don't have directional markers for where people are noticing you, and it also is just super immersive because you don't even have like your health and resolve unless you're using it. So there is no HUD on the screen for the majority of the game, even in combat, which is excellent. I, it's it's super good. There's also like uh, the the bird and kind of the foxes will yeah. will fall under that as well. It's like this is like it's like the next uh, the next step past like like dead space, you know, where you can like hold your hand out and the little blue line comes out and it's like part of the, yeah. the suit, like everything else. This is like yep. the next step after that. I feel like if 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 more like similar kind of games take anything from Tsushima, I hope it's stuff like that. Yeah, and that I think that's really the the only majorly innovative stuff that Tsushima does is that. So I, I hope yeah. that is something people take from it and are like, this is what we need in, in more games, especially open world stuff. It's it's a great example of a game that doesn't do a whole lot different. It doesn't do a whole lot to kind of, you know, bring the open world genre forward, but it does it so well yeah. that it doesn't yeah. matter at the end of the day because everything is so, for the most part, everything is, is, yeah. is very well done. Yeah, I think that, that's a good note to end on for the most part. Um, we've covered... Yeah. I think as much as we reasonably can cover, this has been by far our longest episode. Although we did split The Last of Us Part 2 into two podcasts. Even that combined would have been longer than this, though. I I mean, The Last of Us Part 2 combined is around two hours and like 45 minutes. We're at two hours and and 10 minutes right now. Five minutes. So pretty close. Uh, This is by far the longest podcast on a single topic we've done. Yes, uh, because The Last of Us ones are about two separate things. As much as they are related, they are two separate podcasts. Uh, we didn't talk about reviews at all for this because I don't think we really need to. There's no huge controversy here. Uh, there tried to be, but there isn't. Yeah, there, so. people tried. There's no controversy here. Um, I mean, other than people being upset that it was made by an American studio, which we covered in a yeah, previous episode. We, we've talked about that in the main podcast. It's ridiculous, especially because like a lot of Japanese developers are saying they, they absolutely love the game and are super happy to see their culture represented by other they, people. They got their blessing by Kurosawa's estate who they worked with on the game for yeah. various features. Uh, but that, yeah, that's a good note to end on. Good night, everybody, or good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. We hope you had a fun time listening to this podcast and check out our weekly stuff. It's on Anchor on YouTube every Tuesday at 7 a.m., check us out there you can check it out live sundays at 8 p.m whoa <laughs> so uh catch ryan and sometimes myself uh live streaming and hopefully other do. people in the double and radio crew as well but a lot of yeah, them yeah. are a little bit someday. hard to contact for that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that, that's our that's our end note we're gonna play the outro we're gonna get out of here and leave you guys hopefully satisfied yeah you, you know, gotta do Halo again soon. You gotta do Halo again. I, Ryan, we should start streaming uh, Remnant. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Definitely. We played a bunch of games. Also, getting a third person in on Remnant. Yeah. Well, is I'm it. I'm not looking at anyone specifically, Brent. But... Is, <laughs> is, is it cross play or no? Because I don't think my.